We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. He got called away to work at the last minute, which is quite a shame, but he will be back soon enough, um, and we'll be able to get his thoughts on what we're going to talk about this week. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be most spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 488, 488, and this week we are talking The Batman, the latest solo round of Batman films that we uh, have finally come to. And uh, joining me to discuss The Batman this week, we have, from Why So Blue, he has had a lot of cats. It's Peter Paris. <laughs> Hello. Also joining us from movie, from Movies, Marcus, quickly learned that we weren't talking The Black Knight starring Martin Lawrence. It's Marcus Robinson. <laughs> Uh, hold on. Hello. hello. Is that, was that Christian Bale or? Hi. <laughs> and joining us from Forbes, his reviews are a tool. When his words hit the internet, it's not just his thoughts; it's a warning. It's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to top one. That was funny. Thank you. How are all of you doing this evening? I am doing well. I have no complaints. I have many complaints. <laughs> well, I mean, the world is slowly ending and all, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> slowly. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> Fair point. Well, we've we've done it. We've made it to the Batman at least, so we can talk about that this week and hopefully find some mild positivity in the process. You know, if the world ends before Avatar 2, I'm going to be really pissed because I've been very patient. <laughs> that could be secretly the plot of Avatar 2. <laughs> why we're going to Pandora <laughs> because of J James Nostradamus Camus, Cameron has uh, really figured things out ahead of time uh, but we're not talking about Avatar 2 today we're talking about the Batman and we have a number of things to go over before we get there uh, first up some show notes uh, new commentary track is coming uh, it's a new month which means we have something planned and that is of course after doing Batman Batman Returns and Batman Forever. That's right. We are going to be finally doing the Batman and Robin commentary track. Uh, nice. So stay tuned. We will be talking about uh, the 1998 disaster piece that is Batman and Robin. Um, 1997. Seven. Sorry. What am I thinking here? Gee whiz. Because <laughs> remember, courage now, truth always, and family above all else. <laughs> Presented by Taco Bell. Uh, so yeah, we'll <laughs> be sure to we'll be talking all about 1997's Batman and Robin this month. Uh, stay tuned for that. Also, stay tuned for uh, Oscar stuff. Uh, the Oscars at the end of this month. We will have episodes uh, going over our uh, predictions as well as our post Oscars result show. Um, an Oscar result show that might actually be longer than the Oscars, if I'm hearing the news correctly these days. Uh, but we will <laughs> see. You'll discuss all the awards live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. All of the awards, exactly. That's the promise that we make on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stay tuned for all that. There will be plenty of Oscar discussion to come throughout the there, you know, by the end of the month at least. Um, and yeah, well, of course, all of our nonsense can be found on iTunes. Uh, you can find our show there. You can search Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Every episode will be there. And then you can go over to the little tab that says ratings and reviews, and you can give us such things, such as a star rating and a mini review. That'd be great. So thank you in advance for that. Okay, now we can move on. Let's get to some out now quickies, TM. Each of that we will be TM. Thank you, Marcus. And Marcus, that means I'm going to start with you. What have you seen recently? 
Uh, uh, okay, so I just saw Fresh. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, it's on Hulu now. Um, the, um, something I've been looking forward to for uh, about two months now. Yeah, it premiered at Sundance. It, mm-hmm. it premiered at Sundance. Yeah, and I was. I had been hearing things about. You know, whenever I hear things about, oh, you you don't want to watch any trailers and you want I'm all into that kind of horror. Um, so you did go. So you a, did go into this blind. That's what you're telling me. I went to. I went into this blind. Okay. I kind of, you know, from the title, I kind of figured what it was going to be about. But I was, you know, I was kind of surprised. Um. So so it starts off for 30 minutes. It's about a, a, a woman who goes on this series of dates with obnoxious guys via text or via uh, dating apps, and then she gets hit on by uh, Sebastian Stan and. And 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 he's good looking and he's he's assertive and he's a gentleman and and they hit it off and they start going out and then he suggests that they go away together on a romantic weekend and then there's a big twist that happens, which I won't spoil obviously, but um, I feel like even if you think you kind of know what this twist is, the twist is is there's like kind of like an extra thing to it that really really is pretty pretty powerful in, in terms of like not only as of like a horror element but also as kind of like this allegory for like the abusive treatment from towards towards women um i think it really works that said i feel like the second half of the movie doesn't work so well and becomes almost a little routine because it shot it seems to shy away for a movie called fresh and for a movie with this kind of twist it 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 almost shies away from this extreme horror tag. Like it, it almost doesn't want that tag. And I feel like when it does that, it really kind of tries to navigate around scenes. Even though we get the scenes, we don't see everything. And I feel like this movie would have been a better watch if it was an extreme horror, which I don't, I don't really say that a lot, but I would recommend it for it's, it's, it's two hours long. Um, I feel like the second half was kind of, okay and i feel like the first half is really good i don't disagree with you at all i think i actually agree with everything you said and i do think the even the ending feels kind of abrupt but i do think the film has mm-hmm. a good enough elements in it to work for what it's going for and i right i do wish it le- either leaned more into what you're saying with the extreme horror or leaned more into the satire about dating culture i think right and i i feel like that that first half even the back half of the first hour had some of the satire in it where it was she's reading a, a you know cosmopolitan magazine they're doing a lot of that stuff and i'm like okay this is smart and then it turns into this chase thing or this kind of routine slasher thing that i don't know maybe they ran out of story or something um but yeah 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 i i, I feel like it's worth a watch if you know if you have Hulu and you know whatever i did like the first hour all right is that it Mm-hmm. Okay, Scott. How about you? What have you seen recently? Uh, we actually also watched Fresh last night. Oh, okay. Um, I had seen the trailer, which I think, in retrospect, is pretty spoiler-free. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed in that it became when the big reveal happens at around the half-hour mark. It was more conventional than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It's something that is only a loose variation of a very conventional horror scenario as opposed to something that I really thought was going to be dealing with a metaphorical look at modern dating. Um, so I, 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 have a, I have a question real quick. If you, if, do you feel like if, if you hadn't seen, been exposed to like extreme horror or 
or movies like Raw or something like like stuff like that that you would have liked this movie more? That's what I'm asking myself. No, because I mean, without going into details again, you know, it reminded me of a lot of the, and obviously it's a better movie, better production values, better acting, et cetera, et cetera. It reminded me of a lot of the straight to DVD bargain basement okay. horror movies I used to QC when I worked in that field. Okay. You know, it's a it's a, a couple locations. It's only a few characters. It's a battle yeah. of wills. You know, I, I, I you know my metaphorical heart sank when I realized, oh, it's just this. I think to your point, you know, my thought was that you know if this were French, it would have been really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, in a slight related thing, Shudder is offering a bunch of hardcore extreme French horror films from about ten years ago, give or take. And they're the ones that most people have heard of, you know, high tension, uh, martyrs. Um, mm-hmm. What's the cut that ones during the political protests? Frontiers. Um, they are definitely do not eat while watching this kind of movies. Um, That's the thing. I think I don't want to take this too much time to just talk about just fresh, but I do think what you're saying, it, it's something that I do notice about a film like this one is that it comes to Sundance and it feels like a film that's more or less has a, you know, the kind of art house of the week type of sheen on it instead of a movie that from something like France or another tends to be European or Asian country. There's a whole kind of look and aesthetic that goes with it that enhances what's, you know, a fairly regular story. There's filmmaking attached to it that does more to make it memorable. Yeah, it's it's another example, and this in all shapes and sizes, where I watch a movie and I think, gosh, I wish this was made 15 years ago when it could have had a real budget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Fresh is on Hulu. Marcus, you like it well enough, Scott. You're a little disappointed. I'm like, hey, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else, Scott? Mm. Watch the first three episodes of The Dropout, just because I like Amanda Seyfried, and it was perfectly entertaining. It's enough to make me actually want to watch more of them. Does she do um, the voice? She does do the voice at the end of the third episode. It sort of builds okay. up to her, the creation of her, the persona as we know her, okay. with the turtleneck and the bun and the, you know, the voice. Um, it's sort of her, you know, her hero costume and her villain costume, if you will. Um, it's good. It's not groundbreaking or anything, but it's 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 well staged, well acted, and it's 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 interesting enough that it doesn't just feel like. You know, and I always quote this line from you, Aaron, Wikipedia come to life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and William H. Macy is terrific as Hector Hammond. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, jokes aside, he's, you know, everybody's good in, this picture, in, the, in the show. How fitting um, that Peter Sarsgaard's in this movie that we're talking about this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of, Peter, what have you seen? Yeah, I... Um... Uh, going off of uh, Scott's thing, you know, I've been, I, I, I'm really, I know it's become like this thing, I guess, that we're going to be seeing in, in I think television and, and movies, but uh, I really like these rise and fall of tech company, like, uh, you know, con, con people, uh, you know, uh, like, like Dropout and up, Apple's upcoming We Crashed and. To a lesser degree, uh, I think it's called Super Pumped, the story of Uber. Yes. Um, I think that I've seen the three first three episodes of Dropout, and I agree with Scott. I don't think it's groundbreaker or anything, but um, I think for me the thing about these kind of stories is you have to have a balance of 
hopefully your lead person who's probably not really a good person is interesting. You know, hopefully the actor is like making it interesting enough. And I'm hoping that whatever the tech thing is, they're they're showing somewhat the process, like the the up and down. And I like that. I like that in Dropout, um, even though she ends up being if anybody knows about Elizabeth Holmes, that faking results and stuff, her team genuinely like I think they're really trying to make this thing work Um, as opposed to on. The I only saw one episode of the Showtime Uber one with Joseph Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They don't go into any of the tech in in the. It's basically all just about can he get the venture capital money? You know, is he and and can he break the kind of hold that the taxis have in San Francisco? And I was like, oh, I wanted to see what would that be like to create an app that's a rideshare. How does that work? How do you get all these? Like, and they don't do that at all. Like, and so I think on Dropout, I like seeing them build, if you've watched the three episodes, you know, they start with one machine and they end up with another another type of machine. I find that kind of stuff interesting. Even if the character, even if our main character is pretty morally reprehensible, um, I find that stuff pretty interesting. And then on the other side of the spectrum, um, because I know this podcast goes up a day later, uh, I watched um, – actually, I think maybe some of us I, – I know Aaron's seen this. I watched um, the Pixar um, – is it Turning Red? Yes. Is that the yes. Name? I thought it was really good. I, I thought that they did – I thought it moves well. I thought the characters really engaging. And I and the biggest thing was I really like seeing – we see – I feel like we see a lot of stories about young kids, especially boys – and like their own obsessions and stuff. This takes place in like the early 2000s and she and her friends are very much into like boy bands and stuff. And it really, I don't know. I just, I thought that was, I thought that made it somehow fresh in a way. I know it's strange because it's taking place like 20 years ago or whatever. It's not but, strange. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I'm not going to talk too much about it because that is our review next yeah, week. Yeah, I want to say too much, but I really liked it. I do think that having it take place in such a specific time frame that, yes, it actually is 20 years ago now, um, that does that automatically and from, you know, a largely a young girl's perspective, which frankly for Pixar is just not too much of a thing, that is you that's unique in itself and it makes it stand out. Yeah, oh, yeah. So anyway, it's, yeah, it's very it good, and I'm cranky that it's not going to theaters. Yeah, I think it would do well. I think I think it'll it'll find an audience. I can't imagine people won't enjoy it, fans and stuff. Did they just not want to go against our our movie? Did they just not want to go against the Batman? Is that why they pulled it? If I were a cynical bastard, and I am these days, I think Bob Chapek thinks that Disney Plus is the future above all else. He looks oh. at Disney and sees theme parks, cruise ships streaming and maybe a couple brands like Lucasfilm and Marvel and every you know everything fits into one of those three boxes. I don't think he gives two shits about theatrical. Um I think he you know because Pixar is such a beloved esteemed prestigious brand, it is being used as a carrot to for Disney Plus both to make it look like a more prestigious streaming platform and to theoretically entice subscribers who don't necessarily care about Marvel, Disney or Disney or Marvel, Star Wars or Disney nostalgia. The problem with that is that I think, especially in North America, anyone that was going to sign up for Disney Plus for any of those things has already done so. 
Um, and that was exacerbated by the pandemic, obviously. And as we've seen over the last few months, Wall Street doesn't give too much of a fuzz about subscriber retention. So even if you're saying, oh, you know, we keep throwing on these Pixar movies, you know, so that subscribers don't cancel. Well, Wall Street doesn't care much about that because they're oblivious to the fact that the only reason there was a huge subscription surge is because we were in a damn pandemic. Um. I think they are sacrificing theatrical revenue for no good reason. I think they can have both. They could have treated Encanto like a theatrical-only release, and they could have made $450, $550 million and still had record viewership on Disney Plus after the fact. You know, we can't talk about Bruno, still would have been a Billboard chart-topping song, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But because uh, Disney... And when I say Disney, I mean people at the top, not the people doing the marketing. They did, you know, they did their job. They did what had to be done. Treating it as a a Disney Plus release with, you know, it's in theaters, but don't see it in theaters because it'll be on Disney Plus in a month. I think they sacrificed hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars to no good end. I think that's good there. (laughs) Why are you so cynical? (laughs) Because I... I've been paying attention and smashing my head against the computer for seven years. No, it that's val. It sounds that's. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm playing along. <laughs> I've um seen a few things, although nothing new, which is rare because, well, the Batman kind of canceled everything out last week. So there's no, I mean, the only thing I saw new was Turning Red, which I'm not going to talk about this week. But I did watch The Quake. Uh, this was the film that came after the wave and before the burning sea, which I talked about a few weeks ago, um, that I never saw the quake. Uh, I enjoyed this movie. I like this Norwegian disaster trilogy of sorts. To be fair, the quake is an actual sequel to the wave where burning sea is just another Norwegian disaster movie from the same people that brought you those first two. But they're just movies I would recommend. If you like solid disaster melodramas, I think, uh, the quake also does the good job. But uh, despite not watching other new movies, I did watch three things that all, I think, fit for the Batman. I watched Zodiac for its 15th anniversary. I watched Nosferatu for its 100th anniversary. And I watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm. So I think in a mix of all of those, you kind of get the Batman out of that. Uh, But also, those are just damn good movies, all three of those. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. That's that's, that's enough. I know cookies. Damn. Thank you. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. Uh, this week we're talking Bullet Train. This is the upcoming David Leach film starring Brad Pitt. Uh, he stars as an assassin who wants to give up the life, but of course has to do like one last job or whatever the hell. And he is on a <laughs> bullet train um, in, heading from Tokyo to another part of Japan. Uh, and he encounters several other assassins that are all on the same train. They include Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Zazie Beetz, Joey King, Michael Shannon, Bad Bunny, of course, and um, yeah, they. Uh, of course. I assume various levels of chaos ensue, uh, uh, ensue as Brad Pitt just try, attempts to do whatever he needs to do to get out of his situation. Um, yeah, uh, Marcus, back to you. What what do you think of the trailer for Bullet Train? I mean, uh, okay. I, I mean, these straightforward titles like turn me on. So I I love when when moons fall and stuff. So yeah, that's the I, point. I, 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 I yeah, I, you know I I, I love I, I really enjoy the 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 trailer looks like kind of like a Tarantino short film or something. It's cut in in a way where they just go like, oh, there's a bunch of characters. They're trapped in a 
on a train with bullets and it's a bullet train all right if it lives up to the campiness i'm i'm kind of there for it um as long as it's not repetitive and in over two hours i'm i think i'm i think i'm good i i, I think i want to see this i hope it's 121 minutes um <laughs> scott what, what about what about you uh, I was surprised by the tone, and this is neither criticism nor compliment. I was expecting something a bit more straightforward, uh, something you know closer in spirit to say you know Atomic Blonde or whatever, versus something that frankly reminded me of the aesthetic of Kate and Gunpowder Milkshake and that kind of thing. Um, again, that's neither good nor bad. The movie is the movie is the movie. Um, it looks fun. I like everybody in it. I like the director. I think Deadpool 2 is a better film than Deadpool 1. Obviously, I'm on the John Wick train like everybody else. I like Atomic Blonde a lot. Uh, and I, I, Hobbs and Shaw was fine. <laughs> um, I don't think it's any great shakes, but whatever. Um, Brad Pitt, you know, usually doesn't make movies like this unless he really wants to, which makes, implies to me that there was something in the script or in the package that appealed to him because he certainly doesn't need to do paycheck movies anymore um it's a nice eclectic cast and i'm slightly optimistic that people might actually show up in july i mean it's got the you know the five elements of a breakout adult skewing programmer at least in pre-covid times you have a marquee director an ensemble cast an easy elevator pitch theoretically good reviews and the promise of escapism the last time brad pitt did something like that it was world war z or i mean once upon a time in hollywood yeah, well, that had more going for it than yeah. just Brad Pitt. Like, Brad Pitt's the oh, selling yeah, it had here. Brad Pitt and DiCaprio and Margaret Robbie. Well, I mean, in terms of what you're saying, like, if you want to narrow it down to Brad Pitt oh, does summer blockbuster. Yes, in terms right. of, like, Brad, Brad Pitt leads summer movie, those, yes. ten, those tend to work well as far as this yeah, kind of thing. Also, because they're rare. I mean, even when Troy came out, I was like, oh, he's doing one of these again. I, I guess he's done with his killing uh, Tristan or whatever period that he talked about. Um <laughs> I apologize. I don't remember that character's last name. Um, and from what I and I could be wrong, but I think it only cost around ninety million dollars, so it doesn't have to break the bank to break even. So I am optimistic. All right, Peter, how about you? What do you think of Bullet Train? I thought that tra- I thought actually it's funny. I did. I somehow forgot because I knew there was the guy who did Deadpool two, and I had forgotten it was Atomic Blonde. That it, it, you know, it's it's one half of the John Wick team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I thought the trailer looked kind of cheap, uh, consider, considering the talent involved. Now, like Mark – oh, I'm sorry. Wait, is it Mark or Marcus? Marcus. Marcus. Like Marcus was saying, if this is just a fun genre movie with big stars, absolutely. Like I am – I'm totally on board. I just – I had a friend of mine. I woke up in the morning. A friend of mine was like, "Oh my God, did you see this bullet train trailer?" And so I was like, "Oh, I don't, I know, I haven't." And then I was like, "Yeah, this looks okay." Like, um, I don't get me wrong. With the talent involved, um, I absolutely hope this is a super fun genre picture. But I didn't, eh, I didn't really think anything. There's no, there's really nothing about it that stuck out. I guess visually or concept wise um but i mean of course i you know i hope it's good and and like you said brad pitt doesn't do these that often so i mean that hopefully that gives me hope that there's a reason you know that he he uh got on board for this yeah i you know i i don't think it looks cheap but i do like the the trailer more or less gives me the premise that i was expecting just in visual form and it's like okay like i, I i'm more excited about the fact that this exists than what I've seen of it so far, because I do like 
you know, a lot of people involved or what have you. It's interesting that Brad Pitt's decided to reprise his character from the Mexican. I didn't see that coming, but here we are. And um, <laughs> David Leach uh, is a director I seem to be pretty hit or miss on because I'm not a fan of Atomic Blonde. I think Hobbs and Shaw is fine and Deadpool 2 is fine. But, like, I respect the hell out of the fact that, yeah, he's part of the John Wick thing and he's been doing the stunt thing for a while. Like, the action in his movies is generally very good when it can be real and not Idris Elba on a CG motorcycle that presumably talks to him. I don't know how that works. Um, this <laughs> could be more practical. It's set in a location, set on a train for the most part. And I, I want that to be fun. And that's what this trailer seems to want to prove to me, that it has a lot of different colorful characters going on and doing their thing. Brian Tyree Henry's got hair that's weird. It's like, yeah, all right, cool. Like, I'm all into that. Uh, so I... I agree with Scott as far as, yeah, when Brad Pitt signs on to something like this, clearly that means that he wanted, you know, he had something he wanted to do with this. Um, and I, I hope that result uh, is pretty strong. I will note that I know Anton Fuqua was originally going to direct this movie and then it became David Leach. And if any, I, it's weird that I'm like, I don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade because on the one hand, <laughs> <laughs> I tend to like Anton Fuqua films that aren't, don't, that, you know, don't rhyme with Mequalizer. But at the same time, <laughs> I, David Leach, you know, he's a good action director. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm i hoping for the best. But, you know, at the very least, it looks like a fun summer movie. So, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Bullet Train arrives in theaters uh, July 15th this summer. So, get ready. And that's that. So, let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for The Batman. I've been trying to reach you. Riddler's latest. It's all about the Waynes. If we don't stand up, no one will. You got a lot of cats. Never think about strays. The bat and the cat. It's got a nice ring. You a new friend of yours? I'm not so sure. I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool we call a city. You're part of this too. How am I part of this? Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. Bruce. All right. That should have been some of the trailer for The Batman. Not that Warner Brothers and DC have been short on films, let alone characters, but it seems as though people have been waiting a while for a new solo live-action Batman movie. The idea originally was for Ben Affleck to star, write, and direct The Batman back when times were more civil. However, once he dropped out, director Matt Reeves took over with the plan to deliver a more detective-based story with a heavy 70s crime thriller influence. The result is this near-three-hour, $200 million Batman epic starring Robert Pattinson as the Caped Crusader coming into his second year on the Vigilante Beat. He has an alliance with Lieutenant Jim Gordon at this point and is now investigating a sinister series of murders perpetrated by the Riddler, played by Paul Dano. Zoe Kravitz, reprising her role from the Lego Batman movie, also stars as Selena Kyle, who finds herself caught up in this drama given the connections these murders have to both elected officials and Gotham City's mob element. Marcus, as a big fan of Batman v Superman, with this film being another dark and brooding Batman picture, were you impressed with what this team has brought to the big screen? You know, I was very disappointed. There was only one Martha, first of all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, you know what? <laughs> surprise, surprise, I liked it. Um, I, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of the time on this podcast uh, defending this because I know that it has flaws and I know that it's too long. 
And I, I feel that when I went into this Batman movie, what I wanted to see was something different uh, on a theatrical level. And I feel like what Matt Reeves did was that. I feel like he he gives us the neo-noir. He establishes that this movie is uh, 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 a, a story-driven movie, a, a murder mystery that just so happens to have a superhero as the detective role. Um, I feel like there's also – he also tries to ground this in, in some kind of realism. This I feel like this is a young – Batman that we've seen on screen, um, so he's visually skinnier. He's kind of a less imposing version of the Batman that we're used to. I feel like they address the privilege, the immaturity, the uh, 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 of his mindset versus what is right and wrong, which I would expect from a young billionaire. Um, I also think that he 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 does this thing where Reeves does this thing where. When when we see Batman walk into a room in in other films, he's he's Batman. Like he, he's he, maybe one guy will say this is weird. Oh, you're a freak or whatever. But the way everybody looks at him in this film is the way I would look if somebody came in with a Batman costume on. It's it's very odd. And like this is very odd thing where he's the, the really out of place. And I feel like Reeves does this continuously on purpose to make this kind of a vulnerable batman not to say anything about the acting i, I feel like brooding is is is, is i, I can't, it's hard for me to say if ron ron pattinson did a good job or a bad job in this one because i feel like he just ha- didn't smile if he just doesn't smile the whole time he he serviced the wall but i did like what what reeves brought to this i i feel that also the action sequences are are very very good um but it, it you're i'm not going to argue with anybody who says it's way too long or if they said there's not flaws as far as this doesn't hit as hard as anything in like the Nolan trilogy or anything like that. So, yeah. Okay. Scott Mendelson, what are your thoughts on Matt Reeves' The Batman? I was not a fan of Matt Reeves' The Batman. And this is the first Matt Reeves film that I haven't liked because oh. I am, as you know, we are all members of the Under the Seas 2 Dark Territory fan club. <laughs> Ride or die for Eric Bogason. I forgot that he wrote that until I remember that he wrote that. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, good for him. That's Um, what he rocks. For me, I had, and again, I, I, there are plenty of people that, again, don't feel guilty about defending a movie you enjoyed. Of course, that flaws, whatever. Having said that, for (laughs) me, I wanted something a lot more different than what we got. I felt that this wasn't that askew from the Nolan world or the Gotham television show and I feel that the Batman cinematic universe needs to get away from the 1985 to 2000 era because it seems that that's all we get we get variations on Batman year one or Batman year two uh, with you know, a, a, the long Halloween and dark victory thrown in and a bit of, you know, no man's land for good measure. Um, and as far as the detective stuff, it's yeah, I guess it's my issue with the detective work in this film is that he wasn't really investigating a mystery and finding clues and deducing what was going on. He was following a very literal trail of breadcrumbs being left by the bad guy to lead him to X, Y and Z right on target. Um now, to be fair, 
the film kind of calls that out. There's one very funny scene involving him and other characters where the film basically makes fun of the fact that maybe he's not quite the world's greatest detective yet. Um, and I did appreciate that self-awareness. Um, I think the film is very long, partially because the pacing is intentionally sluggish. I think the character, and keep in mind, you know, and I think it's an interesting choice, we almost never, ever leave Batman's point of view for this entire picture. Um, it is rare. That does, yeah. Now, on one hand, that means that there are events in this film that should have cataclysmic consequences that basically go barely remarked upon. I mean, you know, Jim Gordon, there's a scene where Jim Gordon opens up a file and then, you know, salacious information gets spread oh, worldwide all over the media from his email address. It's like, oh, he's going to get fired for that. And it never comes up again. Um, and there, there's, you know, scenes of shocking secrets about major political leaders that get revealed all over the world on YouTube. And it's like, OK, there's no outside reaction to any of that stuff. Um so it felt like a very claustrophobic picture in that sense. I mean, for God's sake, the most, the biggest, most shocking murder in the film happens off screen on a news broadcast after the fact. I'm sorry, this isn't science. You can't always get away with that. Um, the other thing is, one of the reasons why the film felt so long is because I think, and again, this is an interesting choice. I got the feeling that he was playing Bruce Wayne on the spectrum as somebody that had to think about and contemplate and make explicit decisions about how to react to every action, reaction, and conversation, interaction. And that just meant that the scenes took their sweet, you know, felt like the film was operating on half speed. Um, as a result, scenes that should have been a bit more propulsive, like the action scenes or the certain high-profile murder scenes, you know, there's, there's a major sequence in a church that just goes on forever and ever because it's it's sort of like it doesn't cut out the the fat. Um, as a result, the film is lacking in suspense. It's lacking in tension. It's lacking in urgency in a ticking clock scenario, um, which I think is a problem just as a genre film in terms of entertainment value. I think the picture reaches a very natural and poignant conclusion at around 130 minutes and then goes on for another arbitrary action blockbuster spectacle that A, doesn't feel necessary, and B, sort of re you know goes back on what seemed to be a very specific moral and instead settles for a very generic one. Um, and I'll let somebody else talk. All right. Peter Paris, where are you with Matt Reeves as the Batman? Uh, I guess I'm the opposite of Scott. Um, although I always like when I when my when my tastes align with Scott because he's the man who. That's because you know you're right. Right, because he's the man who uh, defends Mission Impossible Two. So Fuck yeah, I uh, see that's a kick-ass action adventure film. God damn it! But the pacing's uh, also Batman sluggish in that movie. It were Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, what was that? It has similarly uh, pacing issues as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. It's not fun for the in between the cars dancing and the motorcycle end. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I disagree, but okay. Um, but I yeah, I really. I, you know, ever since I saw that trailer, 
you know, during the, I think the pan, I think it was during the pandemic, right? It was, it was during, it was during DC's fandom round one where they debuted the first trailer, which was yes in 2020. But, um, I loved the, you know, nineties David Fincher vibe. I loved using the Nirvana song. And so as a proof of concept, that trailer, I was like, oh, okay, I'm totally on board for this. And the movie was pretty much that trailer you know obviously ballooned up to three hours or whatever um i had no problem with the length um i've only seen it once so i have no idea if when i see it again i will be like ah some of this feels a little long um i had heard from some people that they thought the first two-thirds are great and then that lasts 40 minutes or hour but i mean if i had a criticism of what i think scott is talking about that's like 10 minutes of the movie if if I mean, I don't we, I guess we're trying not to do spoilers, but I mean, of three hours, eh, 10 minutes, I can give that. That's not that big of a deal to me. Um, what I really liked about the movie, though, was sort of what both of you have kind of been picking on in different ways is like I I like I really wanted to see him as a detective. And we get that. But because it's year two, I like that he's not perfect. And it did not occur to me. But one of the things that I love about the Batman animated series um, are those moments when, you know, Batman is trying to figure things out. And at the end, the villain thinks that he's got Batman. And then, you know, Batman's like, but you forgot one thing, Riddler. You know, the I, I, we, I switched the drinks or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> aha, Batman got him. You know, they don't they don't do this in that movie, in this movie. And at first I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, we don't get that scene but what we get is actually the opposite, which is that it's actually a mistake that Batman makes, which is a conscious decision writing wise that they're like they're they're actually like you guys have, I think, said, yes, he he's trying to be a detective. He's trying to figure things out, but he is still making mistakes. But I appreciated uh, all that. Um, also, I thought um, I don't know who did the production design, but as much as I've liked the Burton Batman movies, you know, since I was younger, even when I was younger, the Batman Burton movies always look like a set. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that I'm always aware that this is not a reality. It's, and it's a different era, you know, it was 89 or whatever. And I always try to think, could you make Gotham like sort of what Burton was going for, but look more real? And what Nolan did was he kind of threw that out and he basically just shot on IMAX or whatever, Chicago and Los Angeles. And it's basically his version of Heats. They just look like real cities. And and that's great. But I thought this did a good job. That first shot we see of rainy, like sort of a, sort of a Times Square-esque um, Gotham, it sort of reminded me of the kind of exaggerated noir that Burton was doing, except it did look like a real place. Except I was like, whoa, it, this does look real. I don't think it looks like a set to me, even though it I'm sure a lot of it was a set. Um, and to me, that that's a pretty that's a cool thing that, you know, three decades later, you could sort of take what one director and one production value is doing. And now with its with state of the art technology, you can actually kind of make it a little more breathable. Um, I just and the other thing is um, I really liked I was nervous. The notion of Batman that he's Batman through most of the movie. I had actually saw Scott's review, and I think Scott said he's like, 
Scott, you can tell me if I'm quoting you wrong, but I think in Scott's review, he said that he's Batman for like 95% of the movie. And when I saw that, I was like, what? I was like, that can't be. I mean, he might actually be. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's a Batman a lot. Like, uh, but I liked it. I liked I said this in my review. A lot of times in the other Batman movies, um, Batman is in he's in the suit means, OK, we're going to see an action scene. We're going to see him get in the Batmobile. We're going to see him kick ass in this. He's base. He they have those scenes. But a lot of times he's just hanging out with Gordon in a, in a crime scene. But I really liked that. I Scott, I think that people who think the movie might be too long might think that that's kind of boring. And I could get that's that. That's stuff I liked. I liked that. <laughs> I did, I, um, but anyways, I'll let someone else talk. But I really enjoyed it. I, I think it might be my favorite first Batman outing. So I don't think it's as good as sequels as Returns or Dark Knight. But as far as how I walked out of Batman Begins, how I walked out of the first Batman, and how I walked out of this, I was I was pretty satisfied. So I liked it. I um, I think if I was in college still or even in high school and I saw this movie, it would probably be like my favorite Batman movie. Um, but... So you're saying I have the, the mentality of a <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying from, we're, all, we're all different people, but I feel like we're, we're all different people. But I feel like if my, if like where I was with Batman, who's always been one of my favorite people, uh, between this year alone has been like, hey, remember when you loved Batman and Boba Fett? We're gonna give you both of those things, and so far, <laughs> we're doing okay on this. But, Thank Godzilla uh, last year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but Godzilla hasn't disappointed me. Um, th- this is not a disappointment. I do like this movie. I just I can't say I was overly blown away by it, and I don't know if that is a kind of a moving on from Batman thing. I don't think so. Or just a lingering feelings from how Batman's been utilized on the big screen over the past several years since, well, basically since the Nolan trilogy ended. Or frankly, just because the movie is what it is. Um, Regardless, I do think the movie's good, but I don't think it necessarily reaches greatness. There are great things in it, for sure. There's a lot of things I really like in this movie. Um, Scott, I understand what you're saying as far as we're hitting, we're continually hitting on this certain time period of what Batman is as far as how dark and brooding can we make it, how focused on people like Frank Miller, among others, can we, you know, cull from for source material. It would be nice to move away from that. But I mean, at this point, two years in after seeing the first preview of this movie, I was more or less settled with, well, this is the Batman we're going to get this done. Um, and I mean, yeah, it is. It goes hardcore on the dark and the grittiness of it. And then, yeah, obviously Fincher comes to mind. It's a very stylized picture. I don't think we're, I mean, we can talk about people want to associate dark with real all they want to. And that's completely wrong because movies batshit nutty and very comic booky. <laughs> I mean, like it's, there's, there's, yeah. no, there's nothing real about anything in this movie beyond the fact that it has, it's a live action. Uh, there's no world where this stuff occurs in the way that it is. Maybe the fringe group stuff. Um, but like, I like that. I like what it's doing with the aesthetic. Like it's one thing to be tired of it, but like it didn't, it didn't exhaust me to still be stuck in this. I do think it comes close to bordering on parody as far as how deep and dark it goes, but that's still like the comic element of it. Like it's still like it's still it's still a movie about Batman. So it's like if you're gonna do this kind of thing, embrace it. And this movie very much does. Uh, the presence that Pattinson brings to this, I really like. I like his take on Batman. I like what that he's brought to this role um 
Mark, as you talked about the kind of scariness of him, I don't know if they like the awkwardness of him just being around in places. I agree with that. That said, I, li- I mean, I like the opening of this movie a lot where it shows criminals just being a scare- scared of shadows and, you know, dark spaces because they don't know if Batman's there or not. That's a really cool thing that I wish. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yes. I- Sorry, Aaron. That actually did sort of annoy me. I didn't get how in the opening they showed the bat sim- signal. They showed how people look up and they're like, oh, my God, I'm kind of afraid that's Batman. Uh-huh. Which is what I said. Yes, except that when he first shows up, that dude, the first person is like, get a load of this guy. I'm like, did you not pay attention to the last 10 minutes? Like that was that very felt as much as I just you're said. Mad that, you're movie, mad that some people are afraid of the shadows and other people aren't afraid of the shadows. It, just felt, it felt weird. It was like. You just spent 10 minutes showing people are aware that there's this guy, the bat, the vigilante, and then the, this idiot is like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm like, what? Come on. And there's, and we, there are no stakes there. We know Batman's going to wipe the floor with him. It felt like a, it's a, it was a clumsy dialogue thing to me. I Again, there's I another guy there that's, that, that knows who he is, right? That, the young kid. Yeah, the young kid is the one that's afraid of him. The other guy is the gang leader that has all his friends behind him. How that, would he that, not know who this guy is? It's, like, not about, he, it's not a matter of not knowing who he is. It's a matter of he has all the confidence of the world right now. So he's, he's, Batman's going to fight somebody. Huge armored suits. I mean, how did you expect to win against that? I just, I is silly. I just, I thought that. How do you, how did you expect? How how does he expect to win? That's overconfidence and being high and all kinds of things are the problem. Well, sure, sure. If you want to see a lot of that, and this is not a criticism, watch the Amazon Jack Reacher show, which. Over yeah. and over and over again, exactly. you have these normal-looking edgemen that look at this giant <laughs> fucking <laughs> he-man of a dude and think, "I can take you." I can keep. They can't. I can keep sassing off to this guy and expect nothing in return. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, look out! The consequences of my actions. Uh, <laughs> I was just talking about what's real, and if like if anything, that's the real moment when the guy feels like he can take on Batman. Yeah. Like that's that's the one thing that does feel real in this movie. But um, anyway, I mean, I I I do like how they treat Batman here. I have the mix of yes, being awkward at times and being this imposing thing just because of his looming presence as opposed to him as a thing. But even then, he still gets his, his you know his fight in. As we can turn this over and just give more to a review, but I do think the. The separation I have between what makes this great and what makes this good is, like you're kind of saying, Scott, I mean, it's, there's not much new here. There's not this, like, X factor that makes this, like, a defining Batman tale to me. It's more or less taking a lot of ideas that we've seen in other Batman movies, let alone Batman video games. Like, I was surprised how much of the... Not even the Arkham games, but the Telltale Batman game that I was a big fan of. That's there's a lot of that in this game or in this movie. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like Reeves and Craig, they're talented people. That I mean, they and there's plenty of Batman to cull from as far as stories. But I just there there wasn't a ton here that was new to me. Now that's not the defining aspect of a movie like this. And I do like that this movie doesn't seem to set its eyes on being you know despite i even described it as epic in terms of length but it doesn't even feel like a batman epic necessarily it just feels like it's another adventure with batman it happens to be three hours long and we're getting all these different characters and here we are and in that regard the story feels like it comes like third or fourth in importance compared to these characters this mood the depiction of gotham and those are things that I all appreciate. There's a, we can talk a lot about the cast. We can talk a lot more about the Riddler and what he's up to and everything. But like, there's so much stuff there that I was a fan of that it's a shame that 
yes, going on for three hours does diminish the impact because it is paced very deliberately. And there is this kind of lack of greater stakes until the stakes announce themselves. And it's like, oh, okay, now Batman has to do the thing. And even Batman's arc in this movie, it, it, it comes more or less... He starts. He just starts narrating. Now I feel this way, and it's like, okay, yeah. that's that's it. Like you just you just kind of turned the corner there. I guess. All right. And what? So, no, I totally disagree. I, well, okay, I mean, I guess we can get into this when we get into the plot. But I I actually think this is one of the first Batman's where he actually has a character arc. Most I, of the time, I don't I don't think he doesn't have a character arc. I just think it's poorly handled because he just more or less explains. I learned this today, and now I feel this way, as opposed to like yeah, seeing it's, it's... him actually develop this arc. Is and a, the film, and it, and it literally comes down to it, it. literally comes down to I use this one word. Someone else used that word. Now I feel bad about it. There's my arc. Yeah. Like that's kind of it. And it's like, okay, and it sets up a much more. Specific that's interesting. That's not what I'm in a specific that's... choice. And then the big action scene happens, and and it sort of forgets about that. What gets to be well, more? What gets to be more? And then we can go, go on. Is is because you have so little Bruce Wayne. Not that I need, like, to retread Bruce Wayne's tale, obviously. I don't need more parents dying. Like, die. we've got that. His parents I, died? I, I know, right? Shocking. Uh, but, like, I'm glad we avoided <laughs> this. But, like, without having – by focusing so much on him being Batman all the time, you kind of lose some of the stuff that grounds it a bit more. You, I mean, there's so little Bruce Wayne, that means there's a lot less Alfred. And even Alfred goes somewhat unresolved as far as what he's doing in this movie. Uh, and – it's not that there's a lack of humanity, but again, we're just, it's all, it's pretty much all Batman all the time. So we're focused more on some very current things that are neat to watch, but I do think it diminishes from what this arc is that Peter, you were more impressed by where I just don't think there's much there beyond, you know, what Batman learned this I week. Think that, um, well, I mean, can we t see, I think you and I are, we're talking about, and maybe Marcus, maybe he's going to agree with me or not. The arc I was talking about is it sounds like you guys are talking about the near the in the last act. Batman comes into contact with a bad guy who seems to have the same way of looking at the world or whatever. And that's not what I meant. I meant earlier in the movie or through most of the movie, he has a very binary way of looking at the world that there mm -hmm. there's even a scene where he's kind of like almost, you know, um, mansplaining to Selena Kyle about yeah. like. Do, do you know you should, this should wait, you know a, a work hard or whatever and, right. and i was just like jesus like he's so he's so cocky because he's so sure that this is good and this is bad and then he gets the information from riddler about his past and that changes right. it forces him to change because he thinks of his parents as a certain way now okay because i talked about with this with somebody you they could have gonna they could have leaned in a little harder his dad really could have been a piece of shit or something, and they don't do that. Yeah, they chicken out there. I think it's enough. I think it's enough that he had a vision of like, I'm I'm right about this, and it sort of rocks his world to be like, oh wait, but I love my parents, but this is true. Now what do I do with that? That's what I was talking about. See the reason I, the reason that I'm not focused on that is because that's even less of a thing than the thing I am thinking about as far as his art But it's goes. a huge <laughs> thing. That's the pivotal point of his, his character. I, I don't I, a very big thing. I don't think it's that huge I don't think it's that huge as far as how he operates. 
I think it's more of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like this kind what? of reaction. Think, no, no I mean, that's totally not his reaction. He's not oh, okay. <laughs> I know it's not well, his actual reaction, but by I just... the end of that scene, mm-hmm. A, he's been assured that the you know the truth isn't as awful as he thought it was five minutes ago. It's not awful at all. Like, like yeah. it's, it's the, he has he gets basically the the same feelings he has are still true. He just gets yeah. to think a little bit differently. Like that's yeah, it's, it's the Spider-Man three situation where, oh my God, this thing is more complicated than I thought it was, and then no, no, wait, it's exactly what you thought it was with a slight wrinkle. No, I wouldn't say it's. Um, I I don't. And even in that scene, by the end of the scene, he's changed the subject into something else entirely. I thought. Well, I thought of that as more him not being able to necessarily deal. That's what I thought. I'm just curious, Marcus. What did you think? I'm just curious about. No, I'm 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 kind of with you. I, I I feel like that was a big deal to his character development and and his he's he there's like a this that delineation line between him being kind of this he's still a spoiled rich brat but he's called a spoiled rich brat and then he kind of is disillusioned that he doesn't know everything i i I feel like it was a big deal i would find i would find there to be more of a big deal if that affected any way batman they did chicken out I, I, but they did I, chicken but, out. You're right. I agree with you on that. They could yeah, I agree that they take it back a little. I would. I it's, not, 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 it's not even that they take it back. It's that the the movie does. I mean, Batman doesn't change how Batman is because of this reveal. Like, it, it, there's nothing yes. different for him to do here beyond just like Bruce Wayne's state of mind is slightly rocked now. It's like okay, but he's still doing the exact same. But he's still hanging out with Gordon. Oh, he's still I, hanging out with Selene. Like he's still doing the stuff. I think. I think before he wasn't on equal terms with Selena. I, I think before he wasn't. He didn't really. He was using Selena, and then he tried, and then this changes him from to working with Selena because she's very much. I need to do the thing, and I need to get the gun, and I need to do whatever. And he's not about that life, but he wasn't even willing to even speak to her about it. He was talking over, like mansplaining to her. But now he's willing to kind of he puts see more, another. He puts more whatever. trust in, but that I mean that feels more or less because of the movie requiring it to, and it you know there needs yeah. to be some kind of escalation in their relationship and dynamic, regardless of if he learned information about his father or not. I would just I would just, I'm just saying like by you know from beginning to end in this Batman movie, the the major change as far as who he is as Batman doesn't feel like it moved all that much, with the exception of a long voiceover bit towards the end where he's like, and now I have hope or whatever he wants to say. Basically. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's, it's, it's I, feel, I feel like he, he's, he's, he's a super angry, you know, he is angry. kind of he's, he's dude angry and, in the beginning. Yes. And, and now he's angry at the end. He's still angry, but he's more, it's, it's more directed at, 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 at this overall, he sees the bigger picture now. He's not, it's not just, vengeance 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 it's it's it he sees this this bigger picture that he wouldn't have seen with if he didn't have this information i will say none of this takes away from what i think pattinson's doing here because i do think he's very excellent in this movie i I think you hired pattinson to play this guy and i like that he plays him like an unhinged weirdo that does have lingering anger issues underneath like i i i think that comes through well even even with the cowl (laughs) i'm not i'm not trying to change like change the subject or anything but i i feel i how do you gauge a Christian Bale uh, brooding Robert Pattinson performance? Because all, all they're required to do is not smile, right? This is this is their whole thing. I th- I feel like what Pattinson gave most to this role is when he had his shirt off and he was skinnier. 
than than the other Batmans. And so we go, okay, this adds on to his immaturity. And I can I can visually see his immaturity now. I can visually see how young he is. I think it is because he gets to interact with a lot more people as Batman that you get to see what the acting is. Like you get to see him interacting okay. with Gordon. You get to see him interacting, especially with Selena, because that's right. the, the chemistry there is you know the most palpable. Like there's there's a lot there's a lot going on in the slight glances and small exchanges of words that they have with each other, and even with his reactions to what Riddler's up to and whatnot. Like I do I do think there's and just and general screen presence because I do think Ron Pattinson has screen presence and, I, and especially yes this, I think he's a fantastic actor in this in this kind of I environment just, I do I I don't think it's as simple as standing around and not smiling I think there's something he is doing and he's tapping into that's my question I I think there's something I feel, there you're, I think you're you can, I think right. you can I think you can feel it in there I mean it's hard to describe how it is but I mean the fact is I watched a three-hour Batman movie and I felt like Batman's presence was there when he was on screen doing the Batman. Okay, for sure. I think part I of my dis- issue- I didn't dislike his performance at all. I just I just was like, sure, okay. I I feel like this this is something you can't really flub at. If you look like him and they they give you the little rich boy haircut and you're you're out there kind of doing the Batman thing hidden in a suit, I feel like okay, that's that's fine. Your bottom jaw is kind of doing a good job of doing what it would need to do, and you're brooding. I feel like you're fine. What are you saying, Scott? Well, no, I think part of my issue is that a lot of these arcs that we're talking about were, again, things we've seen in the other movies. You know, the last – The Dark Knight Rises was about how Bruce Wayne realizes that Selena's criminal history isn't as black and white as he thought. And he's kind of sympathetic to her because she's a hot girl. And it's the same fucking thing here. <laughs> and all due respect, you know, I'm tired of – I've been tired of movies for years that mistake I want to fuck this girl with – I can see her point of view about X, Y, and Z. You know, it did. It, it takes away something when you realize that the male lead is at least partially motivated by his penis. I don't um, know. I, I, I feel like Batman is like super asexual here for a lot of the time, you know, for a lot of this. I, 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 she, yeah. she, 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 she goes, she, I mean, not to sound like an a hole, but she initiates the kiss. I, like, I probably sound like an a hole there, but. You know, I feel like he's just it's it's not the same as the Christian Bale Batman when it comes to that. He's that's that's more Let alone Batman Returns where everybody is like a perfect weirdo in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody, every cast member in Batman Returns, (laughs) even Pat Hingle. Yes. (laughs) Um, And as far as the again, the arc, you're right, Aaron, there's nothing there. It just he makes a last minute change of slight point of view that's all done in monologue and as far as his actions without going to details what was he going to do not do the thing that he did i mean the stakes are so high that there's no universe in which he wouldn't do x y and z even if he was just as raged out and lunatic as he was at the beginning of the movie and to have that presented as a change in character is ridiculous <laughs> um, you know, to use an older movie as an example, that was one of my issues with Man of Steel. You know, you, you have the whole movie about you know him choosing to be Superman and choosing to be Superman in front of the world, but like the entire world's about to end. What was he going to do? Not let the Earth be destroyed? I mean, there was zero chance that he was going to make not make those choices. There, as such, there's no choice. Um, 
I, mean, I, I think it's a problem when you have these know. films I'm not, where the stakes are so high that you remove any genuine choice from the character. Yeah, but I mean, you're emphasizing this like ending of Batman as if like there's a, a, a true world ending scenario or like just this, you know, like as if like the Joker came out and poisoned the water and everyone's going to die in a second where I, yeah. I, what I, what I like about this third, and we don't need to talk about other things besides the third act, but what I like about this third act <laughs> is that it, it, it feels comparatively smaller compared to yes. other Batman movies. And I like that. I like that. There's, it's not about the final boss battle. It's more about, I have to clear up the various forms of damage that's been done and deal with like a couple mob guys here or there and save some people. Like I like that it, it, it I don't think it betrays its detective story roots uh, in the way that you s- seem to be saying it is, where you're saying like the last third of this movie is all focused on giant superhero spectacle. There's a big thing that ha- there's a big thing that happens because it's a superhero movie. Big things need to yeah. happen, but I don't think it's in the same form as like you know fucking <laughs> Bane comes out and starts tearing assing around the thing. It's more of like. I gotta clear up some problems because I'm a superhero. Like that's the thing that I do. Like yeah. I don't, I, 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 there's a, there's a way where it could be far more generic than I think this movie's presenting. This I don't think this movie has a typical ending to a Batman movie beyond. Okay, yeah, he gets into some action. You wouldn't not expect that. I think it has some clever ways to subvert what you might think based off the villain choice in this movie and what he actually needs to get done. And I guess, I guess for me, in terms of this, you're right. For the record, I do agree with you. It is a comparatively small-scale finale as far as these things go. It just did feel comparatively spectacly for the sake of spectacle for a film that up until that point had been pretty... Well, surely for a movie that costs, that costs this much money, like... Exactly. You're, you're, but, it's, it's, but, you're, but, Scott, you're smart enough to know that, like, movies require this and they have to find yes. the ways to dance around them. I'm just yeah, saying, I, I think this movie dances around not, that. It's a, you know, subjective, critical conversation. Fair enough. I mean, um, <laughs> so, and I, I would have been okay with it if I felt that it didn't dial back on the more specific... Are we getting spoilers or what's... You don't need to delve too far into this. <laughs> put it this way. There are conversations in this film between Bruce Wayne and other characters that makes it seem like the ultimate endpoint is going to be far more specific and more proactive a choice than just Batman saying, God, I need to be a symbol of hope. <laughs> and whether that through line was a casualty of the spectacle sequence or whether it was just something that they forgot to do or gee we'll do this in the hbo max miniseries i don't know but i think not having that when it's been very clearly set up as a more frankly a more interesting endpoint a more specific endpoint both by the conversations earlier in the film and by the final reveal of the villain when he gets his big moment to say, you know, how, what, and why. And it feels like the film then digresses into something else that I found a lot less interesting. I guess I'd like to say, like, I guess to me, it's funny because they're both Warner Brothers. The, The example that I think you're, or the criticism that I think you're putting on the Batman is my issue I had with the first Wonder Woman. I thought the first Wonder Woman was terrific, and then at the end, she just has this big CG battle with Hades, and I was like, what? Does this thematically work? What's going on? Why? And it, and then you could say, well, it's a superhero movie. You have to have a big spectacle. This one, one, like Aaron said, I do think the stakes are lower. I appreciated that 
while I'm sure the water and the walls were CG, it feels a lot more tactical because it isn't like a big monster. It's just it's yeah. actually just it's it's, it's, it's not Doomsday. <laughs> right, it's right. It's correct. It's these legions of people. And I was like, oh, it's so it still feels hands on. Um so I yeah, I mean I think it I do sort of think that look, I mean it's Warner Brothers, you can't not have something big at the end, but I think it's a it's not a bad compromise. I mean like I, I don't I don't know. Whereas with Wonder Woman I was like, what am I looking at? I don't really know if I feel anything here, but all right. So to no, me, it's fair. Interesting. Uh, and- 84 seems to follow this movie a little bit as far as the the big climactic fight. Well, there's like a cheetah thing, right? But then it's like, but then, then it's about Wonder Woman just talking to the world and saying, hey, maybe we should oh, true, stop true. doing this stuff. <laughs> um, and when I saw it for a second time on Friday, I think I was less annoyed by the third act. Because at least I can appreciate the the visceral, you know, the 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 see, you know, the is entry. He makes a great entrance. He does make and a good entrance in that. The initial <laughs> action yeah, in that sequence yeah. Yeah. is, I mean, the best action in the picture, in my opinion. Um, you didn't like the big, of, you didn't like the car chase. We'll get there. Eh. <laughs> I mean, it didn't help that we've known the ending for like a year. Uh, and that's you know I, that's not the fault of the movie, but the, I felt the marketing was shockingly spoiler filled in terms of giving yeah, away I, okay. both major moments and how major sequences ended. It gives away imagery. Um, yeah. And yes, I mean, well, the car chase. I mean, how do you not sell that? But I mean, that's that's like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's why that's why that's, that's a halfway. It's why that's halfway in the movie because you can yeah, sell yeah. that. Um, and it's not the first movie to do that. Sure. I mean, again, it's, it's, I try not to. And again, I, the whole detective thing, I try, you know, it's not the movie's fault. Everybody went around screaming, this is the first time he's a detective. This is the first time he's a detective. And, you know, I roll my eyes at that because I still have PTSD from The Amazing Spider-Man uh, and Halloween 2018. But, again, the movie, you know, again, the movie has fun with that. You, can't, that's de- okay. you can't deny that the movie is specifically rooted in him being a detective, though, where the other movies yeah. have him lightly dabbling in things. I mean, they, it, it, and to the extent it's what, The Dark Knight and Forever, maybe, are the ones where he's doing yeah. detective stuff? And it's even then, it's it's pretty truncated. This movie is he's chasing down leads and and working with Gordon in a buddy cop I capacity. For me, the differences in Batman Returns and The Dark Knight, he discovers things that the villains don't want him to know. And in this film, I was less engaged because it was apparent that he was being led on a very specific trail every step that's, of the way. That's fair, but he's also new on the job by comparison, yes. too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's part of the point. At the moment, I really enjoyed the interaction between him and Gordon. In the, the first hour, nitpicks notwithstanding, I, I was going along with the ride. It's like, okay, this. I like the awkward way that he's sort of like, you know, all the other cops are like, what is this weirdo doing here? Oh, I, lo- I love yeah, when he when he first when he first walks into the crime scene where the where, yeah. the, where the where the mayor was killed and it's all it, yeah. it's shot like like Takukamoto in Silence of the Lambs like first yeah. person first person perspective looking into their eyes and the, and I also like how it twists that around where it's like oh he's looking at them for a reason he's recording yeah. everything through special yeah, Wayne great. Enterprises yeah. contact lenses great. yeah and I'm like this is really neat and uh-huh. I like how they're. I like how when he replays this video of all the things that he's seen, it's not like a pristine, like widescreen shot, like it would be in some like you know poor man's version of this. It's yeah. like a crappy circle that like just happens to have some info he can like print off on screen. Oh, 
It's like that's that's, and, that's clever. I, you know, and in general, as far as the Wayne tech goes, I like that. For one thing, I like that we don't need to see him building this stuff. It's like, yeah, he has it, whatever. And also, it's like scrappy things that make a level of sense, but are also still comic booky. Like he has so many devices yeah. in this movie. <laughs> that again makes me wonder who's saying this is the real version of Batman. He has fucking bat, bat adrenaline, bat lights, bat flares, bat knife. I like the bat adrenaline. <laughs> he has knife. so many bat tools, and people are walking around convinced themselves like finally a realistic take on Batman. It's like what movie did you watch? <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, my my overall issues with the film. A lot of it was sort of, you know, the journey is is more compelling than the destination. So then when I'm disappointed by the destination, I think lesser on the journey, yada, yada, yada. Um, but the, again, there, there are things I did enjoy about this picture. I did. I thought the buddy cop stick between Jeffrey Wright and uh, Pattinson was delightful. Let's stop there for a second. Let's talk about this supporting cast. And we can start with Jeffrey Wright because Jeffrey Wright does play Jim Gordon, who's pretty much my favorite guy in the Batman universe. So I was very happy with that because Jeffrey Wright is awesome. Um, and he wears a mustache well. Um, I <laughs> I very much dug the kind of shaky vibe they have. Even if Jeffrey Wright's still, like, guy that relays information for the audience, I still think, like, he's doing that very well. But what about the rest of you guys? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah? Oh, yeah, he's fun. Um, yeah. And that is something that the other films have sort of flirted with, but just by virtue of them... You know, you guys are right in that the other Batman films, Batman generally only shows up when there's important work to be done. Otherwise, it's a, a Bruce Wayne drama or, you know, in the Burton films, you know, the Penguin needs to go do something fun. Uh, yeah, here Batman show it up. He's, you know, he's collecting, he's punching in his time card. He's he's dicking yeah. around with the other cops who don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> like this. And I, I as goofy as that played. That's okay, because that's what I think the film was willing to be goofy. And again, as you said, it's like there's no real, it's no more realistic than, you know, Batman v Superman or the Dark Knight or whatever. Or, you know, Batman Forever. Yeah, because there's a crazy guy, there's a crazy guy dressed up in a military costume with a bat helmet walking into a crime scene saying, what's the deal, guys? Like, what is this? That's (laughs) funny. That's good. Um, And I enjoyed that. Nobody touch my hat. Like, even though it didn't really amount to anything in hindsight, I did enjoy the scene of Selena Kyle sort of being used as Batman's private spy. Let's talk that about sequence. Mm-hmm. That was one of the okay. few sequences that I thought had genuine tension and suspense, even though really nothing came of it. Um, well, let's talk. Let's talk about Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. I mean, she who's fine. No yeah. good actress is good in movie. Shocker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the, the take on Selena Kyle slash Catwoman this time around? Peter, let's start with you. I thought it was good. I They definitely are – they're definitely moving more into a um, – a, uh, Catwoman can always be sort of sympathetic, but I really felt this was the – this really was the closest where it's like she's – she she is barely any kind of like enemy here or whatever, you know, like um, – but I thought it worked, especially what – what her story ends up being. Well, they give, uh, they give her like human motivation as opposed to, I want to get that necklace. It's my friend is gone somewhere. I need to find her. Like correct. It's, it's a real difference, correct. let alone her other connection in this movie that she has. Um, so yeah, I thought that worked really well. I, I, and I thought she was really good. I, I thought they had, I mean, but the bigger thing is it's less, I would say to Scott's point about 
are any of these actors good or bad? It's like, of course, they're all doing their job. But it is really more the chemistry thing. I thought, I thought, um, you know, I thought uh, Wright and uh, Kravitz both had great chemistry with Pattinson, you know, and vice versa. And that, that to me is what's really important. Um, okay. But I, I really like that you brought up, uh, or no, Scott brought up that scene because that, that scene, that the thing where he's basically they're working together through her eyes. I thought it was really terrific. I, I thought that whole sequence did have a, a tension about it and stuff. Um, I guess the comic book nerd in me sort of wished Selena had a better outfit. Like <laughs> Catwoman's outfits, she doesn't really get armor, but she is in some fight scenes. And I was like, eh, it's like your outfit, your outfit could be a little more kick ass, but that's, you know, it's a tiny thing. She's a cat burglar, not a, not I mean, a, not a I wushu like participator. I mean, but, like, <laughs> but like Anne Hathaway's outfit she does look like she can sort of battle a little. I would agree. Like, like Michelle Pfeiffer's is like the same outfit. Pretty. It's what? It's like black latex. <laughs> what is, what's the difference? I don't know. It felt less. It just, she seemed more like, oh, don't shoot her. You know, like, obviously, none of them can get shot. But um, but I thought she was really good. And I will say, I am the only one, and I think I'm. you guys are going to disagree with me on, even though I think everyone's terrific as far as, like, acting, I'm not quite sure... I, I'm not quite sure about uh, – is it Carmen, Carmine Falcone? Is that John Turturro? You're right. John Turturro's your complaint? He, no, no. Oh. Not a complaint like the actor. The actor's doing a good job. I mean, he's, he's got terrific – I just – I love um, – who's the guy – who is it in um, – is it Broadbent? Tom, who's the one in – Tom Wilkinson? Tom Wilkinson. I'm sorry. Tom when he, when he ate the camera? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're Bruce Wayne, you'd have to go to the other side of the planet for someone to, like, I remember. What I you just did that. is like a, is, is 0.05% of the accent he was using in Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, yeah, I, I guess I, um. Peter, what, you, what you're telling me is you need somebody hammier than Colin Farrell is as the Penguin to play Falcone. It's like, do you need that much? Bob Wilkinson was so hammy in that movie, it qualifies as anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I that's mean, a compliment. But I, I, think, think I think Falcone but, in this movie needs to be more measured by comparison to Oswald, who's sitting there in yeah, all that makeup. I mean, I, I don't think it works if you have a I even think, more wild uh, John Turturro trying to outdo Colin Farrell doing all the things he's doing in this movie. Yeah, you're right. I just I don't know for some reason. One of my favorite performances in the film because I felt that I know. To, I, it's to a, a certain extent, he was the, one of the only ones that was pretending to be in a quote unquote real movie yeah. with that level of gravity and groundedness. But whatever, <laughs> it's it's. Um, sorry, I didn't interrupt. No, 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 that's about it. But I want to hear what other people thought of uh, Zoe Kravitz and everyone. But I, yeah, I mean, in general, I thought the whole cast was terrific. Oh, and I also thought Andy Circus, you know. Michael Caine was always going to bring his Michael Caine-ness to being Alfred. And with Andy Serkis, I was kind of like, well, what will, what would that be like? And it's like, it's not only there's kind of like a, a world weariness to his Alfred, but I also think that like the Wayne tower is also kind of a, a different kind of like architecture or something, everything about it. It's, it's almost like this, you know uh, this world that's been left behind type of vibe well, you, you know which like, includes the actors i mean he doesn't even get a mansion he just gets a tower in the middle of the city this time around it's like all right right um my i like i think andy circus is fine in this movie like he does a good job it's just i feel like we're missing one more scene of him 
it just feels like he kind of exits the picture, and it's like, what? Should we get like another Alfred like at the end of this? Yeah, I can see that. Well, yeah. I have a theory that he has one more scene than he originally had at some point in this film, because his last big scene feels retroactive, and I'm being as vague as I can. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I think somebody was thinking of the HBO Max spinoff potential. <laughs> What do you think's gonna happen in this spinoff, Scott? Like every everybody but Pat is gonna be in it. Like, what? Well, I unfortunately, and this is the cynic in me. I think, and this isn't just Warner Brothers. I think you know this is a Disney situation too. It's there. You know, they assume that everyone has spinoff potential at some point. All right, and well, so that factors into their storytelling decisions. I just I. What I, you know, part of something I like about this movie is the fact that it feels so closed off to me. Like, it, as much as I might have, like, lingering questions about certain things, the story seems like if they never made a sequel to this Batman, it'd be like, you know, it was pretty open and shut. Like, I don't know what else you'd do yeah. beyond just, you know, Batman goes on another case. Like, I, I like that it, <laughs> it pretty much finishes itself off uh, by the end of this movie. It's like, and then it becomes Batman. Like, all right, yeah, it makes sense. Um, as for the rest of this cast, uh, how about Colin Farrell? I mean, he's. I saw this. I saw so I seen this movie twice now at this point, and I saw it the second time with my, with my lovely girlfriend. Um, she did not realize it was Colin Farrell until the credits came up, and I had to explain. It's like, yeah, it's Colin Farrell under all the makeup. Uh, he, he certainly <laughs> leaves an impression, uh, to say the least. Yeah, I, I, I think he's fine. I think he works. Uh, I didn't, you know, I I I, got, I had gone in knowing that Colin Farrell was in the movie, uh, and I didn't realize it until halfway through his scenes hmm. so i think he does it's you know it's fine the, the makeup's good um yeah it, it's fine i feel like there's you know obviously they're setting up for for something else or if they, if they are setting up for that for an hbo max whatever but maybe it's the the oswald story who knows but i i feel like he did i feel like he does a good job with with uh under all, all that stuff I think he's very good because he's a very good actor, but I think it's it's you know why you know there's no reason they couldn't have cast an actual character actor that looked slightly closer to that and just let this them have that you know Brendan Gleeson, Richard Kind, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And if I were you know I mentioned this earlier in an unrelated context, but if I were more cynical, I'm thinking the reason he got cast is because you know they like him, he's a good actor, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But they also knew that casting a guy like Colin Farrell in a role like this would have gotten and did get far more free media attention than either casting a normal, you know, quote unquote normal looking character actor as the Penguin or casting Colin Farrell as a conventionally handsome guy. Um, I mean, it just works for me. Like, I, I get the argument to be made, but it's just like I know. I mean, I mean he's really vacuum, good in the role. Like, yeah, in a vacuum, it's it's fine. It's a spirited performance. He's clearly having fun. Um, and again, I'm trying not to let the discourse cloud my thoughts of the film itself. I, I do. <laughs> in the I, film itself, it's fine. I like when they're good cop, bad cop, or whatever they want to call it. Whatever, yes. and, they, and they show him the pictures, and he's like, "Oh, what are you showing me? Hey!" And it's like, uh, that, that is good. Yes. <laughs> what, what is this? Um, oh, yes, the worst Spanish ever. Yeah. yeah that's like that, that's well, that stuff is great. Stuff it's, is it's just his reaction. It's like him trying to do like De Niro in a gangster movie. All of a sudden, hey, what are you doing? Um, all right, so now let's talk about Paul Dano uh, as the Riddler. Um, I want to hear a lot about this, <laughs> both the performance and the take on the Riddler, because obviously it's a pretty dramatic departure from what we typically see from the Riddler. I mean, the Riddler is, 
a certain kind of presence in other forms of comics and the show and the movies and what have you. This we have this um, Zodiac-like murder guy um, <laughs> who's also a kind of QAnon like <laughs> certified uh, fringe player. Um, and then you have Dano doing his thing. Where are you guys at with what Paul Dano's? It's like an incel. He's got, they ticked all the boxes. I, 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 I liked them. I really like, and I mean, I'm, I'm a Paul Dano fan, uh, but I did, I, I, I did, I did like, he, it feels like he could have gone so many different directions. Like they gave with this character, he, he has the leeway to just do whatever bebop and satin, whatever he wants to do. And I feel like he hit 90 percent of it spot on i feel like the character with all the duct tape i uh, you know it, it works um and for as loud as he's supposed to be and as far as as you know intense as he's supposed to be i, I think he he kind of nailed it he was he was probably my favorite character um i think for most of the film he's basically <laughs> an object more than a character and that's not necessarily a criticism because that's the role that he's plays in that story he's you know an agent of chaos um i do think his big unmasked scene is terrific and you know i will choose to judge his performance on the one moment where he really gets to act where i think he's fantastic that's mm-hmm. one that's probably my favorite dramatic scene in the picture um see so i here's, do think like oh, no. here's the thing so i'm oh, not no. a big paul dano fan um yeah that said i i certainly recognize when he's doing really good i think he's fantastic in love and mercy for example i don't think he's incapable of doing good performances something just about him just rubs me the wrong way i was intrigued by his pick for being the riddler and batman i didn't know what that was going to be and then we got you know this version it's like oh we're going far off into some other deep end at this point for bat for the riddler I do like the menace he brings in the scenes, in, like, these early scenes, like you've just been describing, Marcus, as far as, like, him, you know, in a video or when he's just appearing in the background of stuff. It's like, there's something there that I think is, I don't know if that's necessarily the Riddler, but it's certainly, for the purpose of this movie, it's effective. I do, it, it, so it does, like you just mentioned, Scott, come down to the big confrontation scene as far as what is his performance bringing to this. And I don't, it just... I didn't I, like the singing. I, I didn't mean. <laughs> uh, you, can sing, you can sing Ave Maria all he wants to, but I just thought, I, it, like, Marcus, you mentioned going all over the place. It did feel like he was going all over the place here. I just, I didn't, I couldn't buy into this conversation scene in the same way that I could in other Batman movies where he confronts the villain dramatically. This one. Is this going to be compared to Heath Ledger? I feel like... I mean, it's, I'm not necessarily trying to compare it to, going. but obviously that's a big count, you know, big point in right. Batman cinema history as far as these kind of right. two-on-two sequences between these... one-on-one sequences between these characters. But I... I'm trying... Like, I don't know. Like, it, like I, I feel like this is... Like, Scott, you're saying this is like a great dramatic scene in the movie, and obviously the movie believes it to be. It needs to be, right? It's Batman confronting yeah. the main villain and sharing the we're not so different you and I type of conversation. Yeah. And it I, it just didn't do much for me. Like if you want to talk about scenes that if you want to talk about scenes that felt over long, this scene felt like it went way too long. Like to me. No. Like, I, I feel like if there's a way to do this more truncated, I could have got something out of it. But as it stands, it's like all right, I get it. He, yeah, he's all of this and Oh no! Another reveal. Your hatred for Baldano. <laughs> 
I will say, uh, when he starts, I mean, it doesn't help, but the singing I don't mind, it doesn't help when he starts, like, howling at some points also. And, like, yeah, I think it does go on to the point of absurdity, but I also think that was, in that case, it felt to me more appropriate because the longer it went on, the more unpleasant it got. Yeah, yeah but I, I, um, I, I felt unpleasant watching it, so that wasn't yes. helping me. Um, and obviously, I wasn't <laughs> expecting, you know, and I think that they, to a certain extent, I think the character is too much just, oh, what if the Joker was the Riddler, which is a huge problem with a certain uh, Easter egg toward the end of the film where they want to get you excited about X, Y, Z, but we just watched X, Y, Z. Uh, I will I will I will add this when you see his like video on social media to his followers that I dug. Because because there's a whole like there's a whole dropping the act aspect to it that I really enjoyed as far as like here he is presenting himself one way and then this is like hey guys it's me like it's just so I like that too yeah Peter what do you think of Dano in the general in this movie Um, I I I agree with Aaron I scene but in general I agree with Aaron that I'm not a huge Paul Dano guy either. I mean, it's, it's, it's the reason I don't think There Will Be Blood is as perfect as a lot of people say. I think I mean, Daniel Lewis is great, but there's the, you know, the other performance. Um, but but I liked, I liked him. I liked the interior. I, I sort of am going on the vibe of what Scott is saying. I think that the scene is supposed to sort of make us uncomfortable and stuff, and I think it works. And, and I really do like just at least giving us that little moment of, of putting his, his facade down when he's got his followers thing. So overall, I actually think he's, and I think he's a pretty menacing, which is, eh, which might not necessarily be the actor as much as that opening scene of like, Oh my God, look at how, because I never think of Riddler. When I think of Riddler, not even just Jim Carrey, from the Adam West show or whatever. Like, I don't think of Riddler as menacing in that way. And this Riddler it's kind of like a serial, or he is a serial killer. Yeah, and I was like, Jigsaw meets Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't prepared for that. So I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting take. Um, if you, you know, if you tell me another actor might have done a better job than Paul Dano, I wouldn't be surprised. But I was still plus, I, I still think he did a good job. I would say no. As, as much as I like, I do think the interrogation scene is good, although not for menace. What I like about that interrogation scene is, there's there's a scene they are somewhat playing with the notion of who Batman really is and how much Batman is aware of maybe what Riddler may or may not know. And I thought that was pretty that's one of those scenes where it plays out in a way and then something changes. And I said, oh, that's not what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, um, well, the movie's pointing you heads on well, into thinking it's, it's going to be that way also. So it's like, all right. Yeah. yeah and to I, be fair, um, I, I was desperately afraid they were going to make a connection between characters that they did not. I, I know it. I think I know what you're saying. Yes, and I was yeah. very happy that that right. also was not the case. In this yeah. Movie. It's like, you know, this movie shares enough in common with Joker without needing to go that route. Right. right, right I do. Right. I will say, though, I do think that. They did a pretty – someone made this comment, some video I was watching made a comment that like we – you know, we always see – there's so many movies just like Peter Parker and his origin. There's so many times we have seen young Bruce Wayne, his parents slain before him you know, in movies and stuff. I kind of liked that they, they, they do things in this where it's like 
there is a young man who loses his father in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean to Bruce Wayne? And then what does that necessarily mean to someone like Riddler? This notion of orphan. I thought that was pretty good. I I actually thought that was really good. I agree with you there. I I do agree with you there because I do think like if I, the more I narrow down like the things that bug me versus the things that don't, I think the movie runs into a case of feeling like it's not necessarily smarter, but more insightful than I believe it actually is. But then it yes. finds these. But then it finds these other moments, like the one you're describing, where this kind of recurring motif of this child of the mayor keeps coming up. And I do think that works as well as it needs to, mainly because people aren't like talking about it, and there's not this like voiceover narration that's expanding on this thing that's very obvious <laughs> to me. Now that's not that's right. not even me saying that I dislike the narration in this movie. I actually like that they brought that in because I haven't had that before in a Batman movie, not to this extent anyway. So it's it was something that I found to be intriguing. I don't mind that Nirvana song, but at the same time, also like, hey, do we need a song? I mean, I just like, <laughs> that said, the score in this movie is terrific. Giacchino's score, yes, I yeah. think, is fantastic oh, yeah. in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it's got a great Batman theme. It does. One it's also that I, easy to hum. It, 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 it's easy to hum. It's easy to just like throw at your at something and be like, yeah, this. <laughs> it's like it just gives a sense of presence in a way that I, I really enjoy. Um. Yeah, so the, I mean, I think we're, we all agree on this. People that don't like the score are wrong. That's what I'm saying. That score's great. Uh, yes, <laughs> there we go. Um, let's talk about the action a little bit, then we can wrap this up. But like, I, there is, for as much as most of this movie is focused on Batman just being Batman, there is, you know, the occasional burst of action in this movie. Uh, Scott's already apparently complained about the amazing car chase in this film, but what did you guys think of the action? I, I, <laughs> I loved the action. I, I mean, it, it, you, we can focus on the car ch- uh, car chase sequences, but there's tons of fight sequences in close quarter close quarter action sequences that are very well done. There's uh there's the one in the commercial. Um, that was just as exciting seeing it for a second time where the gunfire is the only thing illuminating when he's fighting. Sure. And I think these scenes are fantastic. Like they're so oh, yeah, they, they're, they're different yeah. than, than they're, they, they could have done anything and they did that. And it was like, wow, what, what a way to do it. And I, I really appreciated uh, Reeves on, on, on that. I, I think, um, I think real quick, I think, I think, I, I think you're going to say the same thing. I think visually between Reeves and cinematographer Greg Fraser, who does Dune and Rogue One, among other Zero Dark Thirty, among other things, I I like that they are trying to bring something unique to the way the action is shot here. Like Reeves has done this before with this like fixed camera uh, approach uh, that he brought to the some of the one of the to at least Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as far as leaving the camera in a stationary position and watching things go on around it, which I thought is pretty cool. But the we've had a lot of like clunky Batman action in the past. And so like if there's one thing that this movie managed to do, it's like provide something that just resembles what this man would be like if he was in control of scenes. Arguably Zack Snyder was the only other person that's really given you like amazing Batman fighting, even even if it's just straight out of the Arkham Batman games and brought to life. But I, I it's nice to see, you know, for that suit that's, you know, infamously difficult to manage and navigate, I like that some of these these action sequences really, like, show the Dark Knight being a force to be reckoned with. Um, and I, the, the, the car chase is well done. It just, from narratively speaking, it's like, okay, this is, isn't that different than what we saw in Batman v Superman, where he gets in a gratuitous car chase with multiple casualties and then 
amount of, you know, nothing of consequence there, accomplished. Nah, there is a difference though, because Batman has a he has like a machine gun in Batman v Superman, and like is blowing up boats and and literally killing people. Where this, he's like defensively trying to take action and capture this one guy that's escaping him. I mean, there's <laughs> is there is there a was there a need for this car chase in terms of what happened from it? Not necessarily, but I mean, again, yeah. there's certain like just requirements you have to accept at some point. <laughs> and if I'm going to get a Batman car chase, I mean, it's a pretty damn good car uh, chase. <laughs> I, right. did, I did like most of the fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they were up until the very end. I think they were very intentional in that Batman is a relatively ungraceful, un. Un, obviously, been trained by Alfred, but unpracticed, untrained brawler. You know, I like in the first big confrontation between the punks that he doesn't so much crush them all as sort of he waits for the ones dumb enough to come into his sphere of influence and, you know, takes them out brutally and then waits to see if the rest of them bother to show up. And I like that. That's interesting. And I also, you know, there's a case to be made that when he finally pops up on the scene during the finale, he is sort of more of a fully formed Batman at that time. You know, he's just kicking ass and he's using his gadgets a little bit more. Uh, he seems more in control of his abilities and his, his, his talents. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, the, that's the action in a nutshell. I do think there's a certain end, yeah, this isn't a fatal flaw. I have the same issue with Aquaman, which that's very inconsistent in terms of what hurts him and what doesn't. I mean, there's a scene toward the end where he seems very seriously injured by something that earlier he seemed to blow off without a scratch. I, I mean, and again, that's there's a, there's a difference in size of weapons that are being unloaded yeah. on him that I think makes the difference there. I mean, yeah. and proximity and everything. I think. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it's I don't think it's inconsistent. I mean, wear and tear essentially on that suit. Yeah, something's gonna knock you down eventually if you keep just going at it. Um, but again, that's that's not a criticism so much as a nitpick or a hmm, this kind of amused me kind of way. I like that they kept um, going back to this iceberg lounge club and that there's yes. these twins that keep answering the door. <laughs> and every yeah. time you, every time you see the twins, they're more beaten up because of how many encounters they keep <laughs> having with Batman. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, yeah, and when, when you talk about you know good world building, it's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's creating these supporting characters that you're going to see again, not because they're hugely important to the story, but because they live there. Well, that, and it makes sense that you would encounter them again. That's why I pre- that's why I do think there's more to the detective stuff than you're saying because I do think it's not just the fact that like he investigates clues; it's it has a whole world attached to it. There's cops that he interacts with on a regular basis, like Martinez, and there's these people in these nefarious clubs that he has to frequently go to, as opposed to go to once as a checkpoint, then move on to some other checkpoint. Like it's this going back and forth and like continuing to find new elements to, to in the yeah. same places that he found before. Like that's, well, that's le- fair. That's legit detective work. That's not just yeah. like that's not just you know i have to you know i'm following the latest riddle that's like i'm chasing up leads and i'm going back to the same leads in the same way that i don't know marge gunderson goes back to william h basie the second time it's like there's, <laughs> there's stuff that they need to do as detectives like the couple pots escaping the interview come on jim <laughs> <laughs> peter did you have any thoughts on the action i liked all the action i i did think that I think the action was successful to me more with its connection to the atmosphere and energy more than 
something like what Nolan would do with with scale and stuff. But I did really like the car chase. I thought that was really cool. And I do also love what Marcus brought up. I love that scene in near the hallway in the night when the bullets the bullets are lighting up what we can see. I thought that was really cool. But see, even that it's not really like choreography as much as it is like it's a great way of like the action is a way of accentuating the mood, uh, which I think is intentional. Um, so, yeah, I, but I would, I definitely would not say, you know, that that's the, the big draw of the movie is the action. I, guess. I, w- I wouldn't either, but I feel like if you're trying to approach things in a unique way, for me, given that so much of this isn't as refreshing as it could have been, I think that the stuff it really is delivering on is moments like that that emphasize what Batman is when he's in action, as opposed to an action scene that happens to have Batman in it, right? Yes, I would agree. Any other thoughts on the Batman? I know we talked about a lot of different things here. Would you as like much as mm-hmm. as much as I've been a cranky? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What was that? I was going to say, would you like to see more of this Gotham, this world in particular? <sighs> and that was sort of my, you know, how cranky should I be after I came out of this? I was about I, to say two thoughts were: nice. A, I'm not thrilled to see it again, and B, uh-huh. if there's a sequel, I I will watch it. I hope it's good, but I'm not going to be heartbroken if we don't get another one. Um, having said that, because I'm an optimist, not really, but what the hell, you know, you can make a case of that the familiarity of this film was a way to get people back on solid ground, as was the case with The Force Awakens, and then the next one will go off into uncharted territory. Is this back on solid ground, though? Like, do you think that this darkest, heaviest version of Batman is the, the way to set the record straight as far as what we're trying to do with Batman? I don't know, but I do mean in terms of – I apologize, but I meant in terms of a familiar you know, situation. You have Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, and Batman and Gordon. These are all characters that you've seen before in a Dark Knight detective film noir at whatever. And then maybe in the next one you go crazy, introduce the Bat family, and bring in Professor Pig or the Court <laughs> of Owls or just stuff that you've never seen in a Batman movie before. Uh-huh. I mean, it's ridiculous that we might have the Batman family. I mean, that was that. I mean, I know there's a an issue with Robin in terms of the minds of a lot of fans, but I mean, especially in a world where marquee characters are of paramount importance, you have like a half a dozen heroes that people want to see on screen. And you can cast interesting and or famous and or, relatively speaking, butts and seats draws as all of them. I'd argue, I mean, I'd uh, argue. That, that's uh, the HBO, HBO Max. You know. I, but well, I, that's what I'm saying. I, Don't I, do it for HBO Max. Do it for the theatrical features. I'd still, I'd still argue, though, as far as the superheroes we've seen represented on screen, they've done a pretty good job of mixing things up with the Batman characters we've actually got to see realized compared to Superman getting only Lex Luthor for the past 17 years. Oh, movies. you're absolutely right. <laughs> um. And the, sort of my frustration is that, you know, again, it, it feels like it's – yes, we've had many Batman movies compared to, say, Daredevil or, you know, Aquaman or whatever. <clears throat> but even so, a lot of them are on – you know, we've had Joker at least you know, four times in these universes, not even counting the, the TV show. You know, we've had, you know, two live-action Riddlers on screen. We've had – two penguins we've had three catwomans you know we've we've and we've only had one robin and we've had one batgirl and we've had no nightwings we've had no 
you know, we're getting another Batgirl. I, I don't know if that's Barbara Gordon or Stephanie Miller or whatever. It's weird that I'm I frankly not. I'm just not that interested in the other band, like having Nightwing. Or well, something. and I guess for me, part <laughs> but of yeah, it, I mean, like, you're also saying this, and we've gotten like whole movies of Suicide Squads, which are all Batman villains. I mean, it's like there's there's been a ton of Batman villains utilized in the very scheme of things. Um, that was even a point of the Lego Batman movie, where it's every Batman villain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I think I think that was a reason that that film was popular, and I think there's, I mean, hell, if Zoe Kravitz was Catwoman in both of them, then technically the Lego Batman movie is a sequel to the Batman uh, canon. Yeah, that's, uh, what, that's what I've been saying. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so no, I mean, being optimistic, the extent that this one felt very deja vu to me, you know, maybe, okay, now that people shown up, they know that they're... You know, people want another Batman franchise. We're on familiar ground. Now let's go nuts the next, the second time out, with the understanding that you don't have to listen to the trolls if there's a Last Jedi type backlash. I mean, as it stands, I mean, there are always going to be trolls, but I mean, it's got an A minus Cinema score and opened to what 128 million dollars this weekend, Scott. Yes. So I mean, it seems people to, like it. I, you know, we'll see where it goes the second weekend, but the A minus is certainly encouraging as far as cinema score. Absolutely, I mean, that... the multiplier this weekend was more encouraging than I was expecting because it, you know, without getting into the box office minutia, it had like 38 percent of its Friday number on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting much closer to a two, a double, a two multiplier. Uh, it did like 2.28, which yes is on par with Man of Steel, as is the opening weekend number, but. You know, it's also got nothing else opening for the next three weeks. What you're saying that is that it might not be as front-loaded as it could have been. Correct. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm pleasant, you know, I am optimistic because I was expecting a much more, a slightly more front-loaded opening after on uh, the Friday numbers came in. Um, And so it seems that people either love it or like it or are, are you know, fine whatever with it. Well, um, we have some more questions later on in the feedback concerning what we could do next oh, okay. with this Batman. Then, so you we know can what? Talk I'll, I'll more. stop talking. But um, <clears throat> uh, last thing I'll say is uh, we talked about the car chase, but we didn't talk about the Batmobile. I dig the Batmobile. I think it's pretty cool. It's yeah. a pretty oh, cool yeah. Batmobile. Oh. <laughs> uh, I agree. I, I I generally prefer skinny cars to the giant tank type things. That's just personal preference. Oh, yeah, I've never been a big Tumblr guy. Like, it's neat to see yeah. it in action, but like... <laughs> It is neat to see like just a like a souped up car as <laughs> the Batmobile. Um, so yeah, all right. We've talked a lot about Batman. We're gonna keep talking about Batman. But when should people go and see the Batman? Let's start with Marcus. Uh, I mean, I liked it. I, I feel like go to the theaters if you if you feel up to it and and see it in the theaters. I, I feel like it's really. I, I don't know how watching this at home would would read either so i'm gonna say theaters spoilers people have watched movies at homes for decades it'll play just fine no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> but but i feel like it would take away you know like i, I you know there's there you, you know you, you know there's some movies that right they play better than the theaters visually right like i know what you're saying yes i know what you're saying but, okay it's, 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 well i mean i mean on a, on a giant ass screen and i mean i don't know what you're rocking at home but like I feel like there's some stuff in here that that really would uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say theaters. It, it's interesting because like I would say theaters, but like I don't watch The Dark Knight very often at home. Like I and I saw it a lot in theaters, and it's uh-huh. it's frankly because I I just it doesn't give me that like it that's not true. It gives me the same feeling, but I mean it's just such a unique experience watching that film in that way. 
where mm-hmm. I li- I like it plenty enough watching it at home, but it's like it was it just felt distinctly different. Where I think this film to me, I like I'm happy I saw it in theaters, obviously, but it's like I probably won't mind watching this at home either. I do think it's it's you know beyond just not having IMAX shot sequences, the lack of a certain kind of scale factor I do think just makes it like yeah, this is a good Batman movie to watch at home too. Like it's it's not a okay at the end of the I'll day. I'll be interested to watch it at home and and see if I get the same. Kind of. Yeah, we'll do a The Batman Watch Along on HBO Max in three months from now, and we'll see how that goes. Right. Traitors! Scott Mendelsohn. Yeah, I mean, like, I would, <laughs> I would agree that, like, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's a good time at the theaters, and I think it looks great. Um, but honestly, this feels like, this is gonna sound kind of weird, cause it's not a horror movie, um, but for some reason, I feel like the Batman will be, like, malignant in, in the sense of like, I can see watching this late, you know, one or two in the morning on HBO Max, and just it just feels like that late night vibe type of movie. One of those late night uh, three hour films four. you put on. <laughs> <laughs> one of those late night three hour movies you put on. Yeah, well, it's true it is long, but uh, but yeah, it just it has that vibe or whatever. But I would say if you uh, if you know if you're a fan of of Batman and stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't go see it in theaters, you know? Um, but, but of course, look, it's going to be, what is it? 45 days. It's going to be on HBO max. Is that right? Sure. Yes. So sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have friends that are going to wait and stuff, but I, I thought it looked good. You're, I mean, you're, it's not shot in IMAX. So you're not going to get that Nolan. Yes. It does not look like that. It is not that big screen thing that you're talking about, about dark Knight or rises, but it still looks good. Oh, like, yeah, of I'm, course it looks great. Yeah, right. I'm not denying that. Scott, how about you? When when do people oh, see I'm this sorry. movie? Um, I mean, just on principle, I think it's a big, splashy, big screen adventure picture that should be seen in theaters. You know, COVID variables notwithstanding. Um, I do think, yeah, I, I honestly watching the film, I got the feeling. I, I do think one reason why. Warner Brothers let them let him make it three hours long is because they kind of figured in some sense that a lot of people would watch it on HBO Max anyway, where the running time wouldn't be as much of an obstacle when you can pause and, you know, whatever. And the other thing is, you know, if I'm a really cynical son of a bitch, you know, I'm watching this <laughs> film thinking, good God, is this paced the way it is paced so that somebody can watch it on HBO Max while they're playing on their phone? And I would not suggest that he would do that on principle, but, you know, I, I it's one of the reasons that the pacing and the, the structure bothered me, because uh, I think it, it felt in that sense and only that sense, it felt like a Netflix film in huh. that it felt where. I could theoretically. I don't know how you okay, see that where it's like Matt, like mm. Matt, Matt Reeves is a smart guy and he's using very clear influences. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't see him being uh, like, let me let me map this movie out in a manner that reflects how viewers are taking in content. I think he's mapping this against '70s movies that have a similar relaxed pacing. Um, and you know, I mean, for example, you know, Ali and I watched The Godfather in Dolby, you know, earlier last week. Yeah, which scenes were you watching on the phone? God. Exactly. Um, and that film is, a, it's almost the exact same length. And even though it's not exactly a thrill a minute, whatever, I felt that that was a film where there really wasn't a safe place to quote unquote, go to the bathroom. Okay. Maybe when they go to Sicily, but that's, you know, whatever. 
but um, <laughs> so it's it's yes it's it's you know it's structured like a seventies film and it's long as you know something like The Godfather or whatever. But I do think pacing wise. Anyway, that's a slight digression. See it in theaters. Okay. Because theaters need to live, yada, yada, yada. Got it. Batman, not as good as one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> Fair statement. Um, really? <laughs> it's also not as good as The Godfather Part 3, if you want to play that game. Oh. Yeah. I had to think about that for a second, but yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we talked about The Batman. We're going to talk about Batman more. Because uh, it's time for what time is it here? It's uh, it's time for it's time for some games. No, no. I didn't I didn't hear you. I was conducting a theme. Um, that was of course the improv theme for games, and I have a game for you guys this week. It is called Pin the Cowl on the Batman. I have a lot of quotes from all the Batmans, and you need to tell uh... me which Batman. I am quoting from. I'm definitely going to win this one. <laughs> All right. God. If you think you know the answer, say your name and the answer. <laughs> and for fun, I'm going to read all of these quotes in the Batman voice, because why would oh, okay. I do that? Okay, that? okay, that's worth it then. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. They think I'm hiding in the shadows, watching, waiting to strike, but I am the shadows. Uh, Scott? Scott. Oh, all right. I think that's from the new one, The Batman. That is Pattinson from The Batman. You're on the board. Yeah, so I thought. I was like, isn't that the new one? Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> you got to start out easy, guys. Here's the next one. You weigh a little more than 108. Scott? Scott? Yeah. Damn it. Uh, Tim Burton's Batman? That is that is Tim Burton's Batman. Yep. Two on the board for Scott. Oh, really? <laughs> Marcus, the game has started, by the way, just letting you know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought that was a practice. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Uh, Here's the next one. What's the... What is it again? Here's the next Batman. one. Here we go. The Riddler is on the loose to plague us with his criminal conundrums. Um, Scott? Stop playing I, um, start saying names. Scott has got to got my name, yeah. It's got to be Batman the movie from 1966. That is Adam West from Batman the movie, you're correct. Wow. Oh, oh, I wouldn't have... Got that. Never mind. Here's the next one. Hands on buzzers. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Scott. Scott. Uh, that would be the Dark Knight. That is the Dark Knight. Yes. <laughs> Here's the next one. You're not brave. Men are brave. Scott. Oh wow. <laughs> Scott's playing this game, guys. <laughs> Batman v Superman. That is Batman v Superman. Uh, that is Batman. I I knew well, that, that one too. Batman v Superman. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Here's the next one. I read your work. Insightful. Scott Knight. Oh my God. <laughs> Batman Forever. Oh my God. <laughs> Batman Forever. That's impressive. Okay. <laughs> I don't talk about feelings, Alfred. I don't have any. I've never seen one. I'm a night stalking crime fighting. Peter. Peter? Uh, le- the Lego Batman that movie. That is the Lego Batman movie. That is correct. Finally on the board. <laughs> Damn it. Scott's winning. Scott's streak ends. How, the the, the how, rest of that quote. How many more of these are there? There's 27 more. No, there's less than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But the rest of that quote, because it's funny, is I'm a night stalking, crime fighting vigilante in a heavy metal rapping machine. <laughs> it's just yeah. Funny. Okay, here we go. Vengeance isn't power. 
Anyone can take a life, but to give life, Scott? that's true power. Scott? Uh, Batman and Robin. That's Batman and Robin. That is correct. Wow. <laughs> Here's the next one. Eat floor. Scott? Scott? Uh, Batman Returns. It's Returns. High fiber. <laughs> oh my god. Here's here's the next one. Because you were the best of us. He Scott wanted to Peter. prove Peter. Dark Knight. Dark Knight is correct. <laughs> he wanted to prove <laughs> that even someone as good as you can talk and fall. <laughs> I like because he has to reason with emotion in the Batman voice. Because you were the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Our scars can destroy us, even after the physical wounds have healed. But if we survive them, they can transform us. They can give us the power to endure and the strength to fight. Marcus. Scott. Marcus? Is this Rises? Dark Knight Rises? It is not Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Peter? Peter? Begins? It's not Begins. Uh, Scott? Scott? Uh, the Batman? It's this new one. It is The Batman, yes. Ah! Uh. I believe I can get that. So. Here's the next one. Yikes. Salt and corrosion. The infamous old enemies of the crime fighter. No prince. Scott. Scott. Uh, the Batman movie. I assume you're not asking me. Yeah, Batman the movie, 1966. Yes, that's correct. Adam West again. Here's the next one. You trying to get under my cape, Doctor? Scott. Scott? Batman forever. That's forever. Is this next one worth, like, 100 points? Here's the next, <laughs> here's the next one. <laughs> I bet your parents taught you you mean something, that you're here for Scott. a reason. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman v. Superman. See Superman. Oh, yeah, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> the mic's on for all three of you, right? Is that, that how this works? <laughs> I went and got a snack. I, I, I... But remember, Twitter says I'm not a real Batman fan. Here's the next one. Oh. <laughs> Okay, Robin, together we're going to punch these guys so hard, words describing the impact are going to spontaneously materialize out of the air. Peter. Uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, Lego movie? It's the Lego yeah. Batman. You're on the Lego Batman movie. Lego Batman movie, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I mean, you're, on, you're on top of the Lego Batman movie is what I'm saying. <laughs> how, many points, how many points do I have? You're right there. <laughs> That's a number, right? Next one, two more. <laughs> Oh, God, thank you. Never leave the cave without it. Scott? Oh, Marcus. <laughs> Marcus, for the sake of it. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> is this Batman and Robin? It is Batman and Robin. It is. There you that, go. That's the card one, right? Okay. That, yeah. yeah, when he has the credit card. That says Batman, and then on the expiration date, it says forever. <laughs> it's my favorite insert shot of the movie. <laughs> it says forever on the card. It's really funny. <laughs> that movie's got jokes. <laughs> okay. Last one. You want to know something funny? Even after everything you've done, I would have saved you. Hmm. Should have leaned on these hard ones the whole time, apparently. Fuck. Marcus. Marcus? Is that Returns? Batman Returns? It's not Returns. Hmm. I mean, I assume we're not doing, like, those DC direct-to-video animated yada, yada, yada. You're not wrong. Okay. <laughs> Although it is a 
It is one of the Batman actors. Bold. Here, can I hear it again? You want to know something funny? Even after all... (laughs) (laughs) Even after everything you've done, I would have saved you. Oh, uh... Is that begin? Peter, begins? It's not begins. Who do you think the actor is? I generally don't know. Okay, so it's Kevin Conroy. Um, Oh! Okay. (laughs) Everything I would have done, I would have... Saved you? It so, I, well, obviously here's, it's so, here's the yeah. thing. here's the thing it's a trick because it's from one of the video games. Um, but oh, fuck uh, off. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> All due respect. I got that. I Scott, you're not a real fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's here's the I so I, I wanted to find one from Mask of the Phantasm, but Batman doesn't have many good lines in Batman and the Phantasm. Like no. like uh, Bruce Wayne has a lot of good lines. Batman doesn't have many good lines in Batman and the Phantasm. Nothing beyond this like because it's a lot of generic lines that he has the, the rest of the movie's fantastic but like him as a one-liner machine in the same way that the rest of these guys are not so much in that movie and i didn't want to find from the animated series so I, so i found this really good line from from it's still kevin conroy because you know batman i assume it's uh Ar- oh wait sorry it's, scott it's, if it matters uh-huh. <laughs> um that's arkham city the it, one where joker is, dies at the end it is arkham city yes yeah um but yeah, Scott, doesn't matter. You ran away with this game anyway. So, <laughs> good job. Uh, Marcus, you got on the board, so you have that going for I you. I only got it because you, you gave it, but I'll take it. Why, why try to reason with it? Just accept it. I, wow. <laughs> um, <sighs> but thanks for playing. Oh, that, I appreciate it. All right. Let's move on now. That was games, of course. Let's move on to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback. Thank you. <laughs> feedback. <laughs> this is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash podcast. We have a number of questions of the listeners, and they give us some answers. And uh, here we go. Yeah, Peter, Marcus, Scott, feel free to throw in the answers when I go through these, but here we go. Which superhero is the most unhinged? Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes Rorschach. Chris writes Homelander from the that show the um what is it <laughs> the boys thank you the boys yeah the boys yeah the boysy yeah that show set in idaho um jeff has spawn todd writes hulk and paul has moon knight who's the most unhinged superhero uh, um <sighs> I'm go with detective chimp <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> uh deadpool i guess is he unhinged or just uh-huh. witty? <laughs> Peter, you have a favorite unhinged? You know, like the Rorsch- I feel like Rorschach's a pretty good answer, actually. I'm like, yeah, he's pretty... Uh, I'm trying to think. Who else beyond Rorsch- Rorschach? I mean, uh, I'll be curious to see what D- Disney does with Moon Knight, because there's a way to do that that's pretty unhinged. Um, Rorschach, like... Yeah, like by default he's pretty, un- but I mean at the same time he's like he has, he has his wits about him. He knows what he's doing. Like it's just he's just true. Has, he has a very specific code. Um, I don't know how you don't think it's Batman. Honestly, Batman is like this is a guy who's like I could just like I mentioned before I could dress up and still interact with cops like it's normal. Like that's that's crazy. That is a crazy person. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have all, I have all, right. all of this money. For sure. And what am I spending it on? <laughs> this. <laughs> that's my job now. <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a words of a crazy person. Fair enough. 
Homelander's pretty unhinged, though. That's not wrong. That's... But I, I argue if he's a superhero at this point, given what he does in the show. Well, that's a good point, yes. Uh, next question. What's your favorite version of Alfred? Todd Liebenau writes, he was great at Doc Ock. Oops, sorry, wrong Alfred. Michael Caine in Dark Knight Trilogy. Uh, and Chris adds, yep, can't beat Michael Caine. Um, I will throw a vote for – with the caveat that they're all good. There's never been a bad Alfred that I could recall. Uh-huh. Um, Elfin Zimbalist Jr. from the animated series. Wait, what? Uh, Elfin Zimbalist Jr. And I'm sure I Oh, oh in, the, in the animated series. From, okay. Yes, from Got Batman it. the animated series. Mm-hmm. Peter Marcus, favorite Alfreds? Oh, Michael Caine, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd go with Kane. Um, yeah. I mean, I I'm gonna. Like, I, oh, god! I'm sticking up for Goff here. You know, like. Yeah, I yes. do. I'm gonna say no, I like Goff. Like, yeah. I, like you've said, Scott. Yeah, there's never been a bad Alfred. But you yeah. know who wasn't like blubbering like a little, <laughs> just <sitting> the, <laughs> after, after reading off of like Bane's Facebook page to see what the latest bad stuff going on is. <laughs> then he's like, then he's, then he's all sad about Bruce Wayne. Michael Goff is sitting there like putting about pearls of wisdom every movie. He's and he's still delivering dinner on time. Like he's a great. But, like but here's the thing. He's also a great he's butler. Doing he's doing his yeah. job. Like what's Michael Caine doing? He's, 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 he, I mean, he does for what, a lot with a lot less. Michael K. He basically let the Joker in for one thing in The Dark Knight. I mean, like he's he's not helping too much. (laughs) I mean, everybody bitches about. You're right. Everybody bitches about Michael Guff letting Vicky Vale in the Batcave. Well, he fucking let the Joker into the penthouse. That's much worse. Yeah, and you know what Michael Guff also did? He sold the hell out of some Diet Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's yeah. All right. Next question: What Batman story do you want to see adapted for a feature? William writes the Jack the Ripper throwback or just a DC Dark Knight's metal run through. And Brandon Peters, friend of the show, writes Dark Knight, Dark City. Ooh. I mean, they kind of already did. Well, I mean, it's, it's, that's a terrific Riddler story. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch the fuck out of a DC animated version of that, especially if it was able to run more than 75 minutes. Um, I don't know. I would like to see yeah, Batman Beyond, know. which was animated. Yeah. I would be curious to see a live action of that. Does that count as an answer? Sure. I think they're dabbling with that's that good, new Batgirl movie. If that's I yeah, that's true. Because oh, he's older. Since they have yeah. Keaton involved in all this now, yeah. 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 Um, if they do a Batman Beyond, I just hope they choose the exact same soundtrack from 2000 to use it. <laughs> there, there, just, there. just heavy on like the new metal but light because it's for kids. I like the soundtrack. I actually kind of. It's great, making, but Aaron, yeah. were you making a joke or are you like? I actually liked it. It's a mix of both because it's very of the time, but yeah. Yeah, but I still I don't dislike it. Um, I mean, when I I guess when I think of the Batman comics, there's like individual stories that I like. You know, and I, I don't think they're going to make a big movie about that six-issue arc where he's tracking down, you know, someone who's bumping off the rogues gallery, and or the one where he, you know, has to solve a seven, you know, 50, twenty-year-old unsolved murder with the first Green Lantern or whatever. Um, it, Scott, this is a hypothetical question. If you want that to no, be a movie, make it a movie. <laughs> like, <I'm thinking. laughs> as like, much as you know, I. I I mean, if they're doing HBO Max with a series based in the GCPD, Gotham Central is your source material right there. I mean, there's an entire season or more worth of stories in those 40 issues or so. 
Uh, that was a book that was uh, early 2000s from Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker. That's just fantastic. It is, yeah. I um, um, I mean, I'm not like the biggest devotee to Court of Owls, but I would like to see that. It is something that would be interesting to see realized in a movie. Like, I am curious yeah, about just, how that would go. Um, it, and anything that's not Hush is great for me because Hush sucks. Um, yeah, I was thrilled <laughs> when they had, like, the I've never hush. read Hush, but people do not like Hush. It's pretty mixed. Some people love it. Um, smart hush people don't. Um, it's, because it's like it's, a Super Nintendo <laughs> video game, for God's sake. Because it's a, it's a greatest hits, Peter. It's a, yeah. what if Batman just encountered every single person that he knows in a story that ultimately goes nowhere for that interesting? Like, that's that's um, Hush. But because the thrill of seeing, like, you know, Superman show up and Scarecrow and all these people. And it's like, oh, this is wild. Huh? Um, what's amazing yeah. is that the movie version somehow made it worse. I never watched the movie version because it's I just don't have actually the worse than for the that. comic. OK. And which is shocking because the source material, I mean, it's so thin you could read it while you're in the bathroom. But there's also plenty of material there for just a brainless, you know, colorful, enjoyable 75 minute movie. And they can't even get that right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next question we have here. That Scott, my pick was hush. <laughs> Scott, if you think of anything else, just feel free to shout it out. But next question we have here: Who would you like to see Batman team up with? Jason Detective writes Jim. Okay, Detective Jim from Scott. Jason <laughs> writes uh, Robin, and Chris writes Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's like Spider-Man team up with the Punisher, which happens occasionally, and it's weird. <laughs> I, z- I snapped up some guys in some webs, Frank. Yeah, I just murdered some people over here. <laughs> I shot them in the face. <laughs> then I sent their kids the pictures. <laughs> All right, well, I'll just be over taking some pictures from the Daily Bugle. I'm going to leave that part out. Anyway, who should Batman team up with? <laughs> I will say I would be interested in actually like a, a, a kind of cool version of Robin. Like actually mm-hmm. make him... Not necessarily kick-ass, but... Um, Peter, uh, Chris O'Donnell rode motorcycles and did acrobatics. I think that's pretty cool. And he had the ear. I mean, like, but he was already in his 20s or whatever. I mean, it would be interesting... He did laundry with his feet. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see an actual young, like, somebody who's, like, actually looks like he's, like, 15 or something be Robin. That, yeah, that could be interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. Uh... The kid from the kissing booth in Europhia Eurof- or whatever that show's called has would make a very punchable Jason Todd. You t- <laughs> or Damien, if you want to go that Euphoria? Route. Is that the word Euphoria? you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what the hell did I say? I've never actually seen You said, like, your Europhia as if it was like a moon of Saturn or something over there. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a I'm not with the, the kids' content. <laughs> Any other team-ups you want to see? Uh, Batman and Gorilla Grodd. Okay. Uh, next question. Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Bat vehicle and which version? Adam Gentry writes, the Batmobile from Batman Forever, which I believe is the longest of Batmobiles. Um, bragging rights for Kilmer. <laughs> um, Chris writes, uh, the 1989 Batmobile. Yeah, I mean, I gotta go One. with the original-ish. I mean, the Burton one. When I was a the kid, Dark Knight I, one, the Dark Knight, Bat, the Tumbler. Yeah, you're a Tumbler yeah. guy. I um, when I was <laughs> when I was a kid, I had the Batwing toy, um, which was awesome, uh, and I loved the Batwing. Uh, I was all into that the from the first movie. 
um as time has gone on i'm big and i'm still big into the burton touch on these vehicles and that 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 batmobile is pretty damn cool i I like that that said again this new one's pretty cool guys like i i've never been into cars but was like this car's pretty great (laughs) like this is a pretty cool car that he's driving around in oh yeah if i recall the car in batman and superman is perfectly cool too I mean, the only uncool one is, I don't know, maybe the giant penis in Batman and Robin. I don't know. But even that. As opposed to the the mildly sized penis in the (laughs) motorcycle version that both he and and Batgirl have. Because there's a variety of vehicles that just ready to go. Many penises in that movie. See, again, this is how great great Michael Goff was. He was like, I made a whole other Batmobile for Batgirl just in case. He's just ready to go. (laughs) Me, I did this. And I'm I'm dying from some disease that doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Stage four, stage whatever, McGregor syndrome. Stage one, that's why he got, he came, he, uh, that's why he recovered. Okay, we'll we'll cover this in the commentary. Don't worry about it. We'll We'll talk all about, you know, each stage of McGregor syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> What's the Batman v Superman one? It's just like a, it's like a smaller tank than the Tumbler, basically, right? Yeah, and it, I like small. I guess it's yeah. real. I, I, I think yeah. I, just, I think of it as CG so often because it does so many things that aren't real, except when That's it's like, fair. except when it's like sitting still. It's like, yeah, we made one of these, but I think, I mean, I feel like I do love the '89. Yes, the '89 Batmobile is pretty great, especially with that that early. CG stuff when it like closes itself up and everything. Yeah, uh-huh. But I gotta say, I really love the the huge stunt sequence of that thick wheeled motorcycle thing in Dark Knight, and it goes up the wall. And oh, that's like, the yeah, best. That's, yeah, that yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I've, so. I've said this many times, but when when the bat pod comes out of the tumbler, because we know that thing's gonna be in the movie because it's on every poster, right? <laughs> I, I, but I feel like. I'm in the set of people that are like, how did I not know that the tumble would turn into this? I'm so, I was so like, I was so thrown off and like, oh, that's where it comes from. It's just part of the damn thing, and it's great. <laughs> Speaking of ejaculation metaphors, <laughs> the Dark Knight rises, Scott. <laughs> All right, last question. I will say, yeah, sorry. Um, do you have? I mean, because I know you got a million questions. Do, are you asking us also what our favorite bat suit is? I mean, I, I didn't ask that, but sure. I can. What's your favorite bat suit? Because actually, I really like the new one. It's great because it, 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 it's that yeah. cool balance of like it looks, it looks like um, what's the word? It looks uh, functional form like fun- functional. It looks functional the way that the the Nolan ones are. But there's just a hint of style. I love and I love that moment. I guess a little spoiler here when he when he cuts the tape and then he puts it the little bat back in his chest. Yes, yes, yes. very much so. That's great. No, what I like about this bat suit is that it looks practical, it looks functional, and it doesn't look like if he bends, it'll like break on, you know, like the butt's gonna <laughs> open up or something like it. It looks, it looks like it's a real, like the like Keaton's suit is great. I love Keaton's suit, but it looks like if he moves four inches, he's gonna have a bat seam break, like in, in like four, <laughs> di- four different spots. Like it, it like, and and if, and I don't think I'm wrong about that either. If, you, if I think that should be like it was actually the case, it would break open if he moved any more than he needed to. Um, the Dark Knight one is similarly functional, Peter, but you're absolutely right. This one has a sense of style. The cape itself looks like something out of a comic book, where Nolan's version is trying to be grounded in some sense of realism. And it's like, that's fine. But in terms of, like, iconic Batman looks, yeah, this one looks good. That's an Affleck suit's pretty solid, too. Like, it looks like a, it looks like Dark Knight Returns. That's what he's going for. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it works. Well, what I like is, 
well, I keep calling it the Hulk Buster, but I guess it's the Superman Buster one, right? Yeah. It's the Frank Miller. Yes. Yeah, his armored yeah. suit. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool too, with the with the eyes and everything. Um, yeah, it's a lot of cool bat. My only issue with the Pattinson suit, which I very much like, mm-hmm. is that I'm a traditionalist and I want the damn yellow oval back. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, other than that, it would have been a perfect suit. We haven't had the yellow oval since what? For, for since forever, <laughs> 20, maybe twenty something years. More, we were no. more than that. Returns probably, right? Wait, I did he? Ha- no, I don't think he has it in forever. I'm, yeah, yeah, he, I was, he, I was he saying, has I was, it until the very end. Yeah, he, he changes he up the sonar suit. suit, which doesn't have it. Yeah, the the end. Oh, okay. yeah. It's been a long time because then in Batman and Robin, they're just like, what if they're just like weird, anonymous symbols at this point? I mean, <laughs> all right, last question: What bat villain do you want to see in a film, and who should play them? Um, have they done the Joker yet? (laughs) 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 I think I would like to, I would like, cause I heard Matt Reeves has discussed this. If you could pull it off, I do think Mr. Freeze could be interesting or really terrible, but maybe, I don't know. We've never never seen that before. Oh, I, I guess I thought. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Obviously, there is the freeze version, but I guess a new freeze for me would be interesting. Um, I want Paul Giamatti as Professor Pig. I saw that coming a mile away. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, no, just, he's sort of the last new cool Batman villain oh, that you're... we've had. Oh, as far as like new um, in the comics kind of thing. Yeah, and he's scary as hell. It was certainly meshed with his sensibility. Yeah, because um, it'd just be another Saw villain. Yeah. But that, you know, it's, it's... Well, it's more of a voice. Hey, it's me, Professor Pig. <laughs> <laughs> um... uh, okay, I have an answer for this question. Um, and I know who should play. There's two people that could play this character. Uh, first off, Clayface. And I think in the 90s, you could get Billy Zane to play Clayface, and I think it'd be genius. I, I, yeah, the, the kind that. of like vain actor type of thing. He could very much play that. He could play his Titanic villain character as as Clayface and nail it. Otherwise, Daniel Day Lewis, crush it, you'd kill it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never happen, but sure. Like, uh, we'll, we'll just have to settle for Jared Harris <laughs> as Clayface. Well, he, he, yes, he could, he could play pompous. He could he could be Professor Pig for that matter, Jared Harris. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's an in joke. I love Jared Harris, but that's where you know when, when the Sherlock Holmes movie came out. I said, like, oh, Daniel Day Lewis is gonna be Moriarty. I see what you're saying. Yeah, sorry. I saw joke. somebody was saying, and this is really more Superman, but somebody was saying, is are, is it just a matter of time before Jesse Plemons is like Lex Luthor? And I was like, <laughs> actually, I can kind of see that. I like that. I, yeah. Um, even though that's Superman, that's not really Batman. Um. All right. Any other villains we want to see realized in the Batman universe? Oh well, wait. Can I ask? Um. I mean, I mean that is the thing when you have DC property or Marvel property, you have so much material. You have all these characters, all these plots, and everything. I get it. Like, when, why when, wouldn't mm-hmm. you use that? But would you? What would you guys think though? Of like, what if Reeves or the writers were like, hey. 
I have a new idea for a villain. Would that be so terrible to think of something new? I mean, the last time no, they did something like well done. when they did that for a film, they called it Batman with the, and the Phantasm and the Mask of the Phantasm. And it's one of the best Batman movies ever made. So, I mean, no, I'm not yeah. against the idea of creating new <laughs> characters for a Batman movie. You could, it's possible to be done. It tends to work or let alone like what Harley Quinn in the animated series that seemed to work out for them. Uh, I mean, that's true. Yeah, you're right. She was right. Cause Harley Quinn was not in the comics, no, right? She was an animated nope. series character. She that was entirely creative. Yeah, so show. like that could be cool. Make something, I guess I feel like they probably don't want to necessarily do that because they feel like sort of like what, um, what they did in uh second Spider-Man. Is that far from home? Uh huh. In far from home. Mysterio used he's an actor, right? Isn't that what he normally is? He's like an actor. Yeah, he's like a, he's, like, he's like a stage magician. He's a stage and then they basically were like, We're gonna have a tech genius guy a la the Lex Luthor Eisenberg, and then we're just gonna make that into Mysterio. And actually, I think that worked more than it didn't. Um, but I think that's what they do now. They or that's essentially what they did with Riddler, right? They're that's like, what I was well, going to say. They villain? did that with Riddler, yeah. I mean, they, and they do it with most of these villains to varying degrees at this point. I mean, they, there's happenstance that bring these characters to Correct. life in a lot of instances uh, to make it more personal, because that's the only way that things could work apparently if it's all connected, which is oftentimes boring. Um, <laughs> right. But it is what it is. Um, but I mean, no, I'm not. I wouldn't be against like new villains, but it's you know. For one thing, it's just a question, and also, Batman has such a wide variety of villains that we haven't seen yet. I mean, so it's, it's, I don't think it's self-defeating, but at the same time, it's like, oh, we still got, like, all of these people that we have not seen on screen yet. I mean, who doesn't want to see Zeus in a Batman movie, finally? How about instead of calling him Satan, we call him Satine? He's got a weird facial thing. And he's kind of got this gift for flowers, and nah, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. That wouldn't if you call him Doctor Satine and make him like Michael Myers is a psychiatrist, that might work. Because that's that's his name. <laughs> is that his name in the in the Bond? Is it Satine or something? Oh, in the Bond thing, yes, it definitely. Is. Oh, that's what I was referencing. Because isn't that what he is? It's like he's like a flower guy, essentially. He loves like, plants. Plants are his. Right, he loves plants. Right, yeah, that's he's, he's the ultimate Bond villain. Yeah, like, he um, he wants world destruction, and he's also a horticulturist. He's an ultimate catch. Get him on the on the match game right away. <laughs> also, could you do Poison Ivy, but not be? Even though I do love the Poison Ivy, that could actually control plants and be a plant. Would Poison Ivy in in the in this movie and this series? Would she basically just be an eco-terrorist? Yes. Is that, that, that's is that the a, only thing she would be in this movie. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's that interesting. I feel like kind of need that extra oomph of the plant stuff. Like, well, I mean, I, I mean, you can make that interesting. You just write it well. That's all. I mean, well, sure. <laughs> if you I want, I mean, if you, for the sake of the tone of the movie. Yes, that's what it would have to be. If you if, if you introduce like a character that can ride in on vines, it's like this is a weird step for this Robert Pattinson yeah. Batman. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that's feedback. You know with Tweedledee and Tweedledum. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Or you got the starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Uh huh. Wasn't there like a ventriloquist or something? I can't. You know what? I'd love this. That would be fun. That'd be fun. Oh, that, that would be cool. Weird. Yeah. That would fit uh, the unhinged vibe of all these characters. <laughs> there we go. Like, like, what would that be? Like, Oswald Kalpak gets arrested. It's like, I guess I'm the next up in line. It's this guy who walks out, <laughs> turns around, is like, it's me and my friend. <laughs> and the that mobs, actually would fit in the world. And the mobsters are just like, I guess we're going with this now. It's like, you should have, have, have all the right ideas. <laughs> Oh, who would that be? <laughs> the ventriloquist. 
Uh, Leslie Jordan? Leslie Jordan. <laughs> Toby okay. Jones. That's, that'd be who it is. All right, we need to wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> we've got to our feedback. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Aid. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can also find me writing at Why So Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews, as well as Wheel of Entertainment for movie reviews, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4, and doing some variety stuff occasionally. Uh, Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of you online? Uh, moviesmarcus.com on Twitter at moviesmarcus and on Instagram at moviesmarcus1. Uh, yeah. Scott Mendelson, where will we find more of you? Uh, please Google some variation of Forbes, the ticket booth, and Scott Mendelson. Uh, I can be on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at ask Scott Mendelson, and that's pretty much where I reside. I have a Facebook page, but that's mostly for you know family pictures and what have you. Uh, if you want to, you know, I'm an I'm. I'm only annoying on Twitter. That, that we, we'll leave those opinions up to everybody else. Peter Paris, where can we find more of you online? Marcus, I, uh, I just followed you. Uh, oh, uh, yes. I am. Uh, I'm Pajamo on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, at Wysa Blue um, under Peter Paris. Uh, Peter Paris is uh, Wysa Blue is where I have my um, theatrical reviews. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron Aim on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast, and, of course, Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. I would like to thank Peter, Marcus, and Scott for joining me for this episode of The Batman. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks yes. for having me on. And Thank that you. is that is going to do it for this week's episode. Abe and I will probably be doing a follow-up episode on this because I want to hear Abe's thoughts on the Batman. But next time on this show, we'll be talking... Uh, to, uh, <laughs> what's it called? Turning Red. Uh, that's next week's episode. You can find that here. Same bat time, same bat channel. But until next time, so long and goodbye. <laughs>